This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. This is Billy Smith. And I'm Ralph Enough. And as you just heard, we have the man, the legend, the painting phenom. Uh, we just attended Mountaineer GT in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Chris Fisher put on a great show. And tonight we're going to touch a little bit about our experiences with the event. Billy, how are you doing today? Doing really well. How are you, sir? Wonderful. I'm a little, still a little tired. Uh, it was, yes. <laughs> I think like it took us like about almost 12 hours to get there. And then like for whatever reason, like 12 and a half, 13 to get back. Uh, it's a longer drive than I was used to, but it was it was fun. It was it was it was a hoot. Yeah, as far as drives go, it's probably the best twelve hour drive you could ask for, because it was just like take Interstate forty for you know seven hours and then turn left and then take that for another you know five or six hours and then there's the hotel. So not a lot of complicated navigation. For those who don't know, I live in Arlington, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Memphis. It is literally on the forty. You know, two minutes you're on the forty. Take that and then hit the 81 and take that and then you're there. (laughs) So uh, we didn't really even need the GPS. Yeah, I mean, we got close and it was just like the hotel was like half a mile from the interstate. (laughs) Right, right. It was great. Yeah, pretty perfect. I've had GTs and other traveling experiences where there's a lot of hoopla with, you know, exit here and turn here and go this way and take this toll. And there was none of that. So. If you're coming from Memphis, it's a pretty easy drive. Well, we figured tonight we would break down the event from our perspective. We'll get through the tournament pack. But, Billy, let's start with our lists. This was the inaugural event that you would be unleashing the creamsicle dwarves on the unsuspected masses. Touch a little bit on this new army that you have created. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to go through just kind of in very brief terms uh, where the army came from and I'm sure people are wondering why I painted a second dwarf army. So technically, isn't this like a third or fourth army? If you count the 10 millimeter and the Forge Fathers, it's the fourth. Basically, what happened was I played dwarves in Warhammer Fantasy, and I had built them a year or so out from uh, the end of Eighth Edition, and uh, I had I had all the brand new plastic kits, and I was spending a lot of time painting them, and and I took them to some events, and I've I've actually done fairly okay with painting them, but as the years have gone by, and I've painted other armies after it, like um, notably. Directly after that, I started working on my goblins for Kings of War, and then I built Forces of Nature, and I've just I've learned a lot about painting, and that army just doesn't it doesn't hold water anymore. It just doesn't look up to my standard anymore. I ended up selling it, and I just so happened when we were at the International Campaign Day several years ago in Jackson, Tennessee, they had for sale a giant box of just mixed all kinds of uh, vintage Marauder era. And, you know, like early 90s Games Workshop Dwarves. I, you know, for sure thought it was like a million dollars. The guy said, nope, it's 350 bucks. And I said, you're kidding. This box is 350 bucks. And he said, yep. So I promptly paid him for it because it was easily worth $1,200, $1,500 like on eBay. I ended up selling 
all of the plastic stuff that was in there pretty much. I, I sold the uh, the newer-ish Anvil of Doom. They had the metal one. Sold that for $60, $70. So basically, after all was said and done, I sold some of the stuff that I didn't need. I essentially paid for the entire box of stuff. And I was left with like a gallon-sized bag of Bugman's Rangers and like 20-something of the Marauder Crossbowmen, which are worth a huge amount of money. And I mean enough of the old Marauder Dwarf Klansmen to make like two hordes of ironclad it was a really lucky find and i probably never would have made this army had i not found that deal i started building the army i wanted to spend a huge amount of time on it for this army i i made sure that i'd never have deadlines i'm never going to be rushing to paint a unit for an event i'm never ever going to be you know forcing myself to paint it the only time i paint this army is when i'm really feeling in the mood so as a result, it's taken me a little bit of time to get all the units done. Um, I've been painting it for the last about year and a half. And people joke, um, Devlin calls them the Wada Dwarfs because it's orange and white, kind of like Whataburger. The the color scheme actually did come from Whataburger. I just you know was drove drove by one while I was on vacation with the wife one time and was just kind of thinking that that would look really awesome. And I actually was trying to. Uh, goad rob into painting his halflings orange and white because i didn't think i was going to be doing this army this was way before you know i didn't think i'd be doing an, a, a new dwarf army and so i was trying to convince rob to do his halflings in orange and white and uh he refused and so now i'm i decided well you know what i'm gonna take these puffy sleeved old school dwarves and paint them orange and white and i'll show you how cool it's gonna look and i've been a big fan of it so anyway, that's kind of the overly long story about where this army came from. It's just been kind of a, a passion project and a labor of love. And you know, dwarves are my main army, and there's something that I've always, I've always loved. So I wanted to give them the love and dedication that they need. As Rob said, I unveiled the army for the very first time at a GT. I mean, I'd played it, and pictures have been on the internet, but this is the first GT they've ever been to. And so I've been kind of honing the list. It's Quasi based on what had worked for me back before Clash of Kings when I was playing Dwarves when Kings of War 2nd Edition first came out. And then also some new stuff that I added. Also, a little bit of it's based on what models I have painted. I've got the Ironclad, Bowen's Braves, and I gave them the Dwarven Throwing Mastiff and the Brew of Courage for plus one nerve. I took two regiments of Rangers, which uh, received Elite and Stealthy from the Herneas Formation, and then obviously Herneas the Hunter. I took Horde of Earth Elementals, two regiments of Brock Riders, and mine are kind of modeled as dwarf knights on ponies. I'm not going to get into all the silly fluff of it. But yeah, they're called the Knights of Black Steel. And then I've got an army standard bearer with the loot of insatiable darkness, as you do. I've got Berserker Queen Shelgar and her mount Chonk, who is uh, modeled as a black pug because we have a black pug, ironically named Legolas. Um, and she has, of course, the Blade of the Beast Slayer. Stone Priest, I have two, and they're, they're named. Um, what, this one is Grom, the Gold Flame of the East. He took Martyr's Prayer and the Banner of the Griffin. And I had two Battle Drillers. A Greater Earth Elemental, this one I will get into. The Greater Earth Elemental, I debuted at uh, during our Escalation League when we were trying to get these forces built up. And the first title he earned was Jeffy the Hobbit Stomper because he charged, attacked a unwounded unit of halflings, did eight wounds, rolled whatever the 1011 it was to kill them, and then they died. It was incredible. And so since then, he's been accumulating new titles, such as the Chariot Smasher, the Ogre Puncher, the Dragon Wrestler, and spoiler alert, the Vampire Slayer. I also took, finally, two Mastiff hunting packs with throwing Mastiffs each. And that rounds out my 2250. What do you think about 2250 as a points level? I really like it because I feel like... I know there are some armies that like lower points. Like I know Keith Randall and we're talking about elves like 
to have lower points because um, you know they still get all the stuff they need, but other people don't get what they need. And I like 2250 because I feel like it lets me build the kind of toolboxy sort of list that I like without sacrificing too much. I started with a Legion of Warriors with a Brew of Strength. I've got a Horde of Siegebreakers with a Brew of Haste. Two Regiments of Boomers. Two Red Goblin Scout Troops. A warlord with the banner of the griffin. You know, I'm really starting to like this guy a little bit because he's resilient. It's nice having a banner of the griffin on a guy that's not just going to fall over to a stiff breeze. So that's been pretty good. Boomer Sergeant, which I really needed the inspiring talisman here. That would have been a huge help in in, in a number of games that we'll get to. The Mammoth, the Giants, Namagrok, because no upstanding ogre player would possibly leave Namagrok at home. It's just too good. Bloodlust is just too good. You know, giving people vicious in combat is is so delicious. And then Grokamok's Finest Braves, because again, I, I like those guys a lot. And then rounding out, I have the Veteran Mercenaries Formation at 2250. So very similar in terms of units to the Bug Eater list. However, the type of player at Bug Eater versus the type of player here, drastically different. I, I immediately noticed the difficulty level was re- was at 11. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. What was your uh, observation, Billy? I obviously didn't go to Bug Eater, but when I was listening to the matchup cast, just every list, I was like, ew, ew. I don't want to face that either. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's rough. Fortunately, uh, all the people I played were really awesome, and there was no point where I felt completely out of a game. At the same time, yeah, some of the lists, pretty gross. Well, I figured what we could do next is we could kind of go through the comp pack for the event because it's a little different than a lot of the events that I, and and I think you too, Billy, have participated in the past. As we mentioned, it's 2250. Uh, all the standard rules in terms of which armies are allowed. They did allow historicals at this event. Yeah, what were there, three, four? There was Larry Essek with Mongols. Then there was Ray with French. Jesse Cornwall had Romans. And then there was a few Kingdoms of Men armies that would have been probably better off playing historicals rather than Kingdoms of Men. But So that was an interesting thing to see uh, historicals being played by good players in a very competitive tournament. Next thing I wanted to mention, and this is probably the most important thing, they use the Northern Kings scoring system. Got it. So Northern Kings was created. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I know it's going to give him a big head, but Nick Williams is a brainchild. Uh, I'm sure Tom and, and Adam and Elliot helps, but let's be honest. If Nick's involved, Nick, Nick must be the guy running the show, right, Billy? Yeah, Nick's the guy that, you know, when there's a, a group project at school and like all the other kids – Maybe you're trying to help, but maybe they're not. And then one just kind of takes it over and does it all by himself. That's Nick. The way Northern Kings scoring works is that you get 15 points for a win, 10 points for a draw, and 5 points for a loss. Just like the standard scoring system in the book. But then here's where it gets a little different. So you get additional victory points up to 5 based on things that you accomplish in the game. So for example, in Pillage, every token you hold gives you an additional plus one up to a maximum of five. Like basically any victory points that you would earn towards a scenario. So like if you played control and you, you know, you won four to three, you got four extra points and your opponent got three extra points. And then the third piece to the scoring system is the kill points. Not to be confused with an attrition table. An attrition table is the difference between what I killed and what my opponent killed. Kill points is just what you killed regardless of what you gave up. And that's a very, very different thing. And so in this scenario, you could get between one and five in each game for kill points for a total of possible 25 points. Usually what we end up seeing is, you know, I take what I killed, you know, and we find the difference between what you and your opponent killed. And then that can give you a plus one or minus one or whatever. And what I find interesting about this table 
if you're if you're losing, it doesn't really change anything if you're winning. Because if you're already winning, you're killing a bunch of stuff. It's like okay, fine. But if you're losing, it gives you something to do. You know, there was a game with uh, my my game three, and I was not going to win. There was just no way. But I also knew that if I could try to kill one or two units, that could give me one or two extra bonus points and kind of kind of push me up there. So I like that because being honest, and I don't know if this was the intention of the designer, the way it feels to me is that it helps the person who's not doing so hot. Because having negatives to your score is pretty demoralizing. When you lose and you're like, oh, I still got nine points. That's pretty awesome. It feels way better. You know what I mean? I, I think it, it definitely improved my morale. And I think that is very helpful. Foreshadowing here a little bit. You know, I got my teeth kicked in a lot this weekend. And it was okay. Because in this scoring system, it gave me something to do. Okay, I'm not going to win the scenario. Then I'm just going to take out as much as I can. And I don't have to worry about what I give up. Oh, yeah. That's the other interesting thing about it is that you it, you losing units doesn't matter towards your score. So, for example, if you have to throw away a 300-point unit to accomplish you know, winning the scenario, it's not going to hurt you. Unless you know that guy is the guy you're playing on like the final table or something and any point you give up to him would – but regardless – it doesn't hurt you to give up units. So like I was playing a game, you know, I killed a thing just kind of at random and the the other person was winning. I was like, yeah, but you're not going to lose anything. You're still going to beat me. This is just me trying to get extra points. And he was like, and he was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, all right then. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it just, it makes everybody a little bit more jovial or at least that's the impression I got of it this weekend. Sure. And if you're winning big, which there's people there that were winning big and they already had their 25 points. There was no reason to stomp the person into the ground because all they're doing at that point is taking points away from their opponent. Correct. If you're over, overly competitive, maybe that's a thing, but that's not what I was seeing. I was seeing most people going, all right, well, at this point, the losing player got an opportunity to try to make up some points, which, which was good. I think the negative is that maybe we didn't get the separation we should have gotten. Right. Cause in the classic 20 O system, there's a lot more separation, but we were seeing like, 24 to 15 wins. I have to play this, I think, a few more times to really lock down understanding of how it affects tournaments and how it affects placings. But overall, as a player that was losing a lot of the weekend, I thought it was great. Absolutely. I I agree 100%. And one more thing on it that is interesting is if you are playing a scenario, let's say, call it, you know, pillage, my opponent has already got the max five bonus points. If I go over there to try to like, and like, there's no way I can win, let's just say. And I try to go over there and take out one of his units at scoring. That doesn't do me any good to try to keep him from scoring because he's already going to win. So if, if I do, say, for example, I think the situation was my Ironclad Horde was only unit strength three and he had unit strength five or something controlling all these other things. There's no way I could get him off of it. And so screwing him over only takes points away from him. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. That's just me being a. So we played five games at Mountaineer. Each game is worth 125 points under the Northern King system. And then this is where things get really different. Soft scores. So appearance and sports were worth 20 points each, which, you know, Billy, that, that might sound like a lot, but in practice, it really, really, really wasn't. On paper, it's worth, you know, 12.5% each in terms of what you could earn. But realistically, very few people scored 20. Nobody scored 20 in sports and... Only uh, two people scored 20 in paint. But then the real big difference is actually in the difference, right? The range was very, very low. So what we found at the end of the tournament is that if you didn't have a painted army, 
you weren't going to win the tournament. <laughs> but if you had a decent, you know, if you had a a tabletop or three coat minimum army, uh, it didn't, re- you know, sport uh, painting didn't really affect you. And if you weren't a total, d- which it doesn't look like by the score sports scores anybody was, then that that wasn't going to affect it. So when you look at the overall rankings, it's almost almost in direct order of of battle. I will say that the big difference is so second place actually had more battle than first place, but the first place player had enough sports and appearance to overcome that. It, it's usually a bigger a bigger portion of our score. So it was interesting going into that. What was your what was your expectation going into this? I knew this was going to be a really difficult room full of people. I kind of expected expected a lot bigger of a beatdown than I ended up getting. Um, but honestly, the people that were there were all super fun and phenomenal. And so it doesn't necessarily surprise me that nobody got dinged for sports, you know, like everybody was just really cool with each other. We were just there uh, having a good time playing games. And I think this is a good example of a more hardcore tournament to have some soft scores to make sure people are painting their army and that they're not total. This is this is this is one possible way to do it. The event in my mind that I kept comparing to this one is the Southeast event, the Forge run by Nathan Clevenger. And so the mm-hmm. that tournament is tough. Like that's basically the Southeast Masters team. And it's like everybody's last chance to try to get points in to to make the team. And so it is a hardcore room. The way they do sports and paint, they they don't necessarily affect overall because everybody's, as long as your army is painted, like period, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the the points and they cap out at whatever it is, 20, I think. So it's like, did you paint your army? Yes. Boom. You got a 20. Best painted obviously goes further than that. And that doesn't affect your, your overall score at all in so much as everybody has an even playing field. So I thought that was interesting because I know we were talking the whole weekend like, oh, well, soft scores don't matter here, but they, they kind of did. And we proved it because, uh, spoiler alert, David Leutsch won first place and it was only because of or not only because of he played really well, but it was he he edged out the competition because of his soft scores. Right, he was six points behind to Stephen Malone in battle, but then he made up eight points in buff scores. I just mean like at, at the forge, there wouldn't really be that kind of difference. So usually the guy that wins the forge is the guy who won battle. I would assume in most cases this would be the same way here as well. Just uh, yeah, I mean it it was it was close. Yeah, very close. Super fun. I mean, it was only a two-point difference between first and second. So going into this, it was going to be interesting for me because I just had just come off of Bug Eater. As I mentioned, I, I think that the field was not at this level, right, the, in terms of the quality of the players, the type of lists. But also, Bug Eater was a hobby tournament. That's more to my strengths than, than, than this format. So I knew going in, it was going to be a tough weekend. So they did do a matchup cast. Billy, did you watch the matchup cast? I did. And I'm going to mention it again online. I'm very disappointed. I... I, I I had to download a PDF editor so that I could put all of my characters' names on my sheet, and they read like half of one of the names off. Infuriating. We need to bring Brinton on more because he appreciates when people name all of their characters. So this is this is Absolutely. me saying, Brinton, you need to be on more matchup casts. Do they pick you to win or – No, actually, and I think that would be fun. So I guess we'll, we'll get started with uh, my challenge. I don't know about everybody else, but I view challenges as a way to play people that I don't always get to play. Maybe they're from a different region. Maybe they're just super cool or both. But I decided I wanted to challenge Felix. Um, I didn't get a chance to play him at um, Blue City Brawl, mostly because my team went 4-1, and one, and I don't know what he was doing that weekend. So we just – our ship sailed right by each other because his was sinking and mine was, you know, 
sailing off into the sunset to victory. But anyway, I decided to challenge Felix. And if you haven't watched my challenge video, I spent like an hour plus, you know, putting it all together. So you should probably go check it out. Um, it's all over the internet. Link in the show notes. Uh, check it out. It's pretty funny. Um, I wanted to do like an 80s montage and I think I nailed it. Anyway, I challenged Felix. Felix was playing um, Vaselanes. And uh, during the matchup cast, two out of three people said that Felix was going to beat me. And I want you to know that I'm undefeated in challenges. I was up until this point. I'm still undefeated in you know, in challenges. Kyle Poole, the only guy who stood by me. So nice job, Kyle. Shout out. Was that, was that just because he knows the, the real Felix Castro? Yeah, he knows. He knows, you know, everybody. See, the thing is, the other two guys were just looking at the list. They were saying, oh, the list is better. The list is better. But you got to, this game's all about the pilot. So why don't you take us through the game? All right. So uh, I guess I can briefly run through Felix's list. So he had a horde of men-at-arms with the hammer of measure force and they had the spear of men-at-arms. Two hordes of Elohi, one with blessing of the gods, one with brew of strength. The two regiments of paladin knights, one with pathfinder, one with brew of haste. Nias, a priest with bane chant, martyr's prayer, and the inspiring talisman. An ur with the shroud of the saint. A war wizard with a mount, blizzard, and the heart-seeking champ, the Tom Anna special, as, as we call it. The phoenix, and then the holy lancers and the retribution of the heavens formations. The holy lancers gives the paladin knights elite, and the retribution of the heavens gives the elohi vicious. So super elite, super killy. I'll, I'll keep it very brief. Um, my strategy was to get really lucky, and I kind of did. There were some back and forth. There were some rolls that maybe I should have made, but then ultimately, I think what what clinched it was Felix decided to be gentlemanly, and you know he snake eyes my Brock Rider regiment three times. I think they finally died after receiving like sixty damage or fifty two damage, something like that. It was, it was a very high amount. Um, now I don't want to also put off the impression that that was the only thing that lost the game, but it it contributed because there were some times where I I needed some pretty low numbers to route stuff and they just survived and then he healed it all off. So don't let Felix tell you that it was all those snake eyes. It was also clever play on my part. I, it should be mentioned that we were playing pillage and there were seven tokens, and this was the first game where Mastiff hunting packs actually did something that is well worth their points. You know, I've heard. Some people in the dwarf group talk about how they don't like them. Every time that I use them is different. So if I need them as chaff in one game, then that's what they're going to be. But if we're playing a, a scenario game like Pillage or Control, that's my way to try to eke out a win. Because the thing is, they're unit strength one, and people have to go take them out. Otherwise, otherwise they're going to lose the scenario. For me, I basically hid one in the corner, used it as a last-minute run-up on a token, and it worked. And it, it got me that extra point. It ended up uh, a win for the dwarves. So their first GT outing challenged won the first game pretty felt pretty good and then let's cut away to a conversation that you and felix had post game one i guess i'll go first uh hi y'all this is the first time i've not been on the narrative workshop hopefully not on wood. <laughs> uh so the rest of the who don't listen to that i'm felix castro i'm a player out of the midwest so i come out of dayton ohio uh, i was bringing Baselanes to mountaineer this weekend and i'm billy I have not been on the narrative workshop ever. I've been on the show a couple, of, couple few times, but uh, I'm debuting the brand new, really old dwarf army. Um, I've been painting a bunch of old hammer dwarves for about 
a year and a half or so, and this is the first GT I'm taking them to. It's pretty awesome. And so background while we are talking, the reason we are talking is that uh, Billy uh, epically challenged me. If you haven't seen his challenge video, it is phenomenal. Uh, so he challenged me. Honestly, I couldn't come up with anything good, so I came up with a very uh, lackadaisical Midwest answer, but I accepted his challenge, and so we played round one, uh, which was Pillage. Any thoughts on the game in, on the game setup in general? Yeah, I, I played this list once before the event. I've been kind of honing it and like flip-flopping back and forth between a couple things, and I decided on this one because I liked having Hernias and the little extra tools, and then I liked having the Stealthy and Elite on the Rangers because I find that with with my dwarf army everything else is defense five and six so everybody just shoots the rangers um, and then they die and they don't get to do anything they're kind of expensive so i don't want that to happen i want them to be able to it, they almost never survive the whole game but i want them to be able to contribute i did the holy lancers formation so the two paladin knight regiments and naeus celestis gave one of the paladin knights the pathfinder the other ones had brew of haste then i had the Alohi formation uh Ur-Lohi had shroud of the saint so heal six he's basically a punchy phoenix one of the Aloha Hordes had Brew of Strength, the other one had Elite, so, so one was Elite and Vicious, so that was fun. As part of the Soft Underbelly, which, spoiler alert, ironically survived the game, I uh, had a Horde of Spearmen with a Hammer Measured Force. Uh, backed that up with a Phoenix and a Priest with Martyr's Prayer, Bane Chant, and Inspiring Talisman, because without that formation, the Priest only inspires many... Uh, uh, what the heck those things are, the penitent mob. So I had to give him the inspiring talisman so he can inspire the, the men at arms in front of him. So, uh, oh, and then I had, uh, I think, the Tom Anna special, the uh, patented blizzard wizard with the uh, chance of hate. Uh, Which was incredible. I don't think he killed a damn thing, but he put a lot of wounds on stuff. So He, he caused my Brock Regiment to die probably a turn earlier yeah. than, he would, than they would have. So Right, so didn't kill anything, but put a lot of wounds on stuff, so there's that. Uh, so we were playing Pillage Round 1. Fairly standard. I don't think there's anything crazy on deployments or any of that stuff. Yeah, I definitely... So I had fewer tokens because you won the roll. You had four, I had three. I ended up putting, there were a lot more in the deep backfield on the side that I was on standing at that time. And when we rolled, Felix chose my side, which was a way more advantageous side because by the end of it, there were a lot more tokens closer to that side. Um, so that, I felt really dumb after you were like, I'm taking that side. And I was like, oh, well, all right. That's what we're doing then. Yeah, I mean, basically my, my thought was I'm spreading these tokens out and hoping that my speed 10 flyer could, you know, zoom in towards the end to take uh, pillage tokens. Um, just basically utilizing my speed to, you know, because Brock's are speed 8 and, you know, everything else is like speed 4 and 5, so I was like, I, I got the speed on him, so if I need to put stuff out in the corners, I could fly out towards the end. Turns out not really being an issue before the end of the game, but, uh, you know, um, but that's basically how it was. I know you, you started moving up, I started moving up, and we just started just beating the crap out of each other. Um, it it was a very bloody game. I was not optimistic about my chances. I thought, honestly, I would need some luck on my side just because you had a lot of stuff that can take out units pretty reliably. Right. Um, I know that with a little bit of luck, um, my units can stand there um, right. and, and hopefully deliver some punches uh, in return. Um, I had some rough, really just all rolls at the beginning of the game. Yeah, I, your I'd dice roll. were not... The, they, they were. They had to wake up. Their coffee had not set in. Exactly. Yeah. They, were, uh, they were not feeling so good at the beginning. They, it, it ended up picking up later on in the game.
game. Um, but like my rangers, who I usually rely on to kind of like plink off extra wounds and hopefully try to kill stuff, which when stuff's backed up with heal 12 and iron resolve and, and everything else, it's really heal hard. Heal 12 with the martyr's prayer 7, so I, mean, oh, yeah. I had the ability to remove up to 19 wounds a turn. So yeah, plus iron resolve. And that's kind of the, the, the bonus when it comes to Basilians, is that plinky first two rounds of uh, damage from shooting is kind of eh, like... And, and I kind of knew that going in. My rangers were not only was I they're still I'm, I'm overpaying for stealthy because there's nothing that you have to shoot them with that stealthy is going to affect. Right. And um, I wasn't going to do a lot of damage with them to start off with because usually their job is shoot chaff. You don't, you didn't really have any. You had a bag full of hammers. Yeah, that's basically yeah. That's what I brought with me um, in my toolbox. So uh, he gave me first turn. So I decided to. I, I, I was like, well, I do have the range advantage. Um, lately. Um, it's weird when you play different armies because I learned a lot when I was playing Forces of Nature how to how to I felt like I learned a lot playing how to play the game better last right. year, um, and in that army I have to be kind of conservative with conservatively aggressive is kind of how I'd say it with my cavalry and yeah. with the dwarves I find that I have to push them forward because people are going to shoot the crap out of them right. they're going to try to get in their way try to do stuff and the last several games I've played they have been incredible because I've been very aggressive with them right. um, and what's nice about having two and the berserker lord is if I can position them right which I'm still kind of learning to do better right. um, I can set up flanks or I can set up just awful positions so people are either like run away or they charge and get bumped so right. I, I try to set it up so they can't all be double charged or if they do get double charged like you're going to be screwed or whatever so uh, yeah I was just trying to be really aggressive with the Brocks kind of hang back with everything else I had right. two tokens on my side of the board I parked one regiment of dogs like all the way in the corner back left right right corner for you right so, yeah. my, my right flank all the way in the back um, there was nothing else over on that side of the field and frankly I Based upon where you kind of started putting stuff, I know Alohi can get anywhere they want, but I knew that there was going to be kind of a scrum, and right. the, the Brocks coming around the right frank, flank, I knew were going to kind of put up a little bit of a speed bump. Right. I didn't ex anticipate what ended up happening, but, you know, I thought hopefully if I can keep them away from there, that's one free point for 75 points out of my army. Right. And then um, I had Earth Elemental standing on another one behind, like, a big piece of Impassable. I was like, eh, it's probably mine, and I really just needed to push up for there was a one in, like, the kind of middle left of the field, and I knew right. if I could push forward, with something and just hold that, I'd be I'd be golden. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I've done similar to that. What you did with your dogs? Like I I've had games with my penitent mob. I had a trooper penitent mob. It literally did nothing all game except for claim a pillage token and won it for me. So yeah, that's that's like seventy five points well spent really at that point. So. Seventy five points to win games or you know. Right. It, that's what's up. That's what you go for. Yeah. Uh, like I said, after Billy moved, you put like what was like two wounds on a, a low high horde. So yeah. I like iron resolve down to one or whatever. It's just like okay. Uh, so I moved up, started to kind of position my stuff for those, you know, turn two charges and everything. Uh, obviously healed off all the wounds that were put on. Um, pretty much about it. What do I need? Uh, do you want to go to turn two? Oh, yeah, from, awesome. from about there, I started. I had uh, so I had my second regiment of dogs, which usually hangs out near my um, ironclad horde because they tend to be my big scoring unit. So I, I threw the dogs in front of them. 
and I was positioned against a piece of terrain. So basically, nothing he had could charge my Ironclad Horde. They had to charge the dogs first, was my thought process. And I was going to throw the little throwing dogs and just get in the way. And really, with this army, it's like, it's buying time. And I think that's why the dogs are really valuable, because they're surprisingly resilient. Um, I mean, if you charge them with a unit of Pathfinder Elite Cavalry, they're going to die. But I mean, people underestimate them quite often, you know, and, and they right. think, oh, I'll just take a hinder charge and it'll be fine. And then they have living and, right. you know, most of the time, if they live and they're not wavered, it's like, it's money. But. Right, if, they, if those nice and have Pathfinder, you're talking 16 attacks hitting on fours, so it's only eight hits on paper, and then they lose a Thunderous, so... Threes, so you might do, you know, five six or six moons. Yeah. And then you'd have to, I mean, that'd still be a decent roll, because they're 11, 13. Right, you're still probably needing a six to take them off, and you've probably got them inspired, so yep. you're talking, you know, having to roll average plus twice, I mean, that's, that definitely can keep those guys around a lot later than they needed to be. Um, I, side note, I've, I've been really enjoying the, the Mastiffs because it shores up this kind of weakness where I'm slow, the units are big, and I can't really defend my flanks very well. So I've been using a lot of the dogs and the battle drillers to do that because they're just a little bit more maneuverable, and the dogs are especially nice because they're wider than the flank of the unit, so they can just kind of go, okay, well, here I am. Right. They're, they're a blade of wounds for my horse is kind of how I view them. And like, if I get lucky and a bunch of the throwing masters do a bunch of damage and kill stuff, perfect. Or if I have to put them in a corner and make them play control and just walk my happy self across the board or right. pillage, uh, it's perfect. Um, you kind of charge in with everything and then it just turned into a grind. Uh, I think you charge into some of my rangers, double charge them, took yeah, them so I, yeah, yeah, I charged both my Aloha hordes into the uh, ranger regiment, smoked those guys, charged the Pathfinder knights into the dogs, smoked them. I think that was pretty much it for combats at that point. Yeah. I really hadn't done a whole lot. I know my Blizzard Wizard was still doing wounds. Yeah, he was like chucking Blizzard. He'd be like, hit two times, 11 hits, and then he'd roll like nine wounds on my yeah. Brock Riders, and I was like, dang. Yeah. So after that, of course, I had to charge them in, because I was like, they have to do something, otherwise they're just going to get shot off the board and die. Right. Um, and I, this was the point in the game where still early, I'm, I'm not rolling very hot. Right. Um, you know, I'm not rolling like super low, but it's just like a little bit lower than average, and it's just like, come on, bro. Right, I mean, he's like within the band of variance, but still below average. Right, you know? and, and, and I get, I, you know, I was, I made some mistakes. I'm a little rusty, I haven't played in a couple weeks. Um, but there was probably some charges I could have set up a little bit better, but still, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I need a six to kill this unit, I need a five to kill this unit, and I just wasn't hitting nerves. So the Alohi were just like, oh, pimp, iron resolve, and then like, healed, basically healed 19, like, and they were fine. I mean, it just kept going back and forth, and so, fortunately for me, Felix decided to reciprocate the, the terrible nerve rolls. Right. That was probably the first of the Snake Eyes after that one? Yeah, you charged the Brocks, and I think you did, they, they were all on like, Things, like 22, 23 I think it was like damage. 20 wounds they had on him or something yeah. like that. It was stupid. Okay, good. And then on the second roll, so killed obviously with the first one, but the inspired re-roll rolled the one, or Snake Eyes. So that was like, okay, that's a thing. Yep. They're still around. Yeah. And you were still in a good shape. Right. By this still time. in great shape at that because point. Because yeah. one of my other Brock unit had already been killed. Right. Um, One of my Ranger regiments was nearly dead. It was at like nine wounds. Yeah, nine I didn't, wounds I didn't have a lot of support over there. You had an Urilohi, a Phoenix, and two... 
Alohi hordes and your spears were creeping up. Right. So it was like, it wasn't looking good for me, but you were still in good shape. Right. Like, it, yeah, it should have been fine. Right. Spoiler alert. And then, <laughs> you go to another turn, and I'm like, all right, well, Brox, you got to do your, you got to do your job, bro. So right. they kill, or they, they go in and attack again, and don't kill it. Right. Because I've been healing off the wounds off of the Alohi hordes and stuff like that. So they're generally every time Billy went in, they had like three wounds to start off with so we'd have like seven more wounds it's like all right you need a seven twice right you know. and, and it wasn't it wasn't even like you need a 10 11 it was like you need a six a seven right and, just like, and he just wasn't I, getting it yeah, yeah. he'd roll a four or a five and it's just like oh, they're good so and and then goes felix's turn again counter charge counter charge got a flank on one of them at one point it was yeah, just like i think the spears flanked him and uh yeah spears flanked and then uh another aloha horde went in as well so i put up to like that was up to 32 wounds at that, that point was right 32 wounds right uh decided i was going to do another snake eyes so they stuck around um so that, so that was the, the scrum over there, still continuing. Uh, my knights are kind of off on the right hand, just... Kind of bouncing off of the earth elementals. I had pushed my earth elementals up right. to that middle-ish token by this time. My stone priest this entire time is just leeching wounds off of stuff with right. prayer. Um, and so I, I was very confident that I was going to win the grind with those knights, because after the first charge, you know, he's wounded on fours at that time, but after that, it's like... Right. You know, and I, I had gone for a crazy long bomb um, surge and surge just to see if I could do it. Didn't work. Not even close. But it, it was literally like I needed seven out of eight, but I was just like, right. I need to be closer to this token. I think on that one, so yeah, the knights are, my knights are over there doing kind of nothing, really. They had to kill the dog regiment, and they were going hit by, they got, and then you put your battle driller into them. So that kind of held me up a couple more turns, because you stripped the thunderous That's and right. all that stuff. Battle drillers are dope, by the way. 70 points. For an individual monster, it's defense five. Did I five. snake on those guys once? You the did battle? snake the battle. So I snaked the battle. So I was like the third of the snakes for uh, for my army so far in the game. So we could probably go into the fourth or whatever turn. So I had hit those Aloha, the, those Brocks again. I think I'd put 42 wounds on them at that point. And then uh, my final snakes of the game. So that's four for those counting at home. So they had 42 wounds on them and we're still going on. It gets irritating is, I guess, the, the, the term you would use for that. But uh, You took it like... It's you like showed whatever. no emotion to it. <laughs> like, like, I'd have been flipping the table over. I'd have walked off. I'd it's be like, chugging whiskey or something. I, it, it's it's a dice game. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't get too mad at inanimate objects, or you just look like an idiot to your kids when you haven't explained why you're getting mad at pieces of plastic. Um, so that was fun, but that definitely... Like, I mean, you weren't necessarily killing a whole lot. The scrum, the problem is, is that when you have a maneuverable army like that, you cannot get stuck in on grinds for that long. And so that really limits my options later on in the game. I can't get to where I need to get. Right, you need to be running in, killing stuff, and, stuff and then flying away. Basically, after that, I was able to finish off the other Elohi horde. Right. The Berserker lady went in and punked out the... Uh, Phoenix. The Phoenix. No, she punked out the uh, Urlohi. Urlohi, like, that one, was like two turns ago. But yeah, she like one shot oh, yeah, that yeah. thing. Yeah. She ended up eventually going to punch Mr. Blizzard guy so he wouldn't kill my dogs holding the objective. Right, because that would have tied it how I killed him, but you know. Right. Yeah, so that was that was fun. Uh, then finally, after he kills all the Alohi, he turns. He's got 42 wounds on these guys, so I charge in with my spearmen. I do eight wounds, bring him up to 50, and finally, finally I do not snake, so I take those guys off with their 50 wounds, so... 
But in the end, it was basically it was a three-two victory for Billy. He had three pillage tokens. I had two. Um, I was really hoping to get that Blizzard Wizard to take those dogs off the board because that's a two-two tie. But you know, it is what it is. With the Northern King scoring, you have what twenty-two points? Yes. To my nine. So maybe so. maybe we should very briefly talk. I don't know if they're going to talk about it on the rest of the episodes, but very briefly, the Northern King scoring is super interesting because it's it's kind of makes you feel less bad if you, right. if you don't get points because like usually what happens is there's like 15 10 5 if you and then you know you get like a, a plus or minus if you killed stuff well in northern king scoring you get 15 for a win 10 for a draw 5 for or 10 for a draw 5 for a loss just like normal but there's no negatives so right. like uh, you know, Felix got two objectives. He get plus two for that. Right. Um, and then there's a kill scale, and it's not a differential. It's just how much you, you killed. If yeah. you killed this much, you get this many bonus points. So I killed enough for another plus two. So I ended up just short of a tie in normal stuff with a nine. So you know, it's like that's not bad. To come up with a loss itself nine. So exactly. Shiloh Slaughter did something similar, but I haven't been there in a minute. It's been a while, but yeah, I, I really like it just because for me, a guy who's not gonna win all the time. <laughs> Like, next round, I'm playing, I found out just a moment ago that I'm playing Ray Shield, so I'm going to be, I, I Icarus the crap out of this, so. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea who I'm playing with, but hopefully it's the kiddie pool, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, it was a fun game, it was a pleasure getting to actually play with you, Billy. Yeah, so, it was awesome. Yeah, a really good time, so, you know, definitely, you know, the challenge system, I think some folks kind of like, oh, what's going on here, but, you know, honestly, it's fun, they're fun challenges, get to play folks that you normally don't necessarily get to play because you know we were both at blue city brawl like you mentioned in the challenge video we just ships passing the night never played each other uh, so he challenged me so we could get to play because why risk it you know uh so i did the same thing with jeremy duvall at adepticon so you know get around to challenging they're fun they don't have to be complicated you know they don't have to go to the, the point of billy and i doing videos and stuff like that but you know they're fun so i would definitely recommend doing them if you have the inkling like i want to play this guy i've never played Joe Schmo before, so um, I think I think that's a hundred percent what it's for. Is and uh, if you're like me, go ahead and punch above your weight. Because the worst thing that happens is you lose, and everybody's like, "Well, that was what you yeah, expected." You above your weight, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't, however, if you are a kicker, don't go and challenge. Don't Mr. challenge Newt's down. Boy. Yeah, yeah, don't challenge down. You that challenge makes, up, challenge not down. Up. Or, or level-ish, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to go on record. I'm undefeated at challenges, so that is bring true. it on. And I'm actually in pole position right now for most amount of Snake Eyes at the tournament, so we'll see if I can keep it going. I hope not. Oh. <laughs> like, I hope I no one say I believe in you, but... I hope nobody catches up with me, but, you know, we'll see. But uh, I think that was about it, so I guess we'll uh, end the interview now. Thanks for listening. How did your first game go, Rob? My first game was against Adam Ortel, who in the matchup videos, which I, which I didn't get a chance to watch, but they all picked my opponent, which looking at his list, I would have picked it too. Well, let's cut away to an interview I did with Adam right before our first game. All right, I'm here with my first round opponent, Adam. I'm not going to slaughter your last name. How, how do you? Because I'm Phaneuf and P H A N E U F, and nobody yeah. ever knows how to say it. So, but your name is Ortel. Adam Ortel. Ortel. Yeah, it's not how it's it's not how it's uh, spelled. All right, Adam. So you're from Eastern Pennsylvania. Yes. The Philly area. Yes. How'd you get into Kings of War? Yeah, so my good friend and neighbor Joe, he had a basement filled with models. Like, what was he playing? Warhammer? Yeah, he's a 15-year Warhammer vet, but stopped, you know, a number of years ago. Got was he to... stopping before, like, 8th edition? Like, yeah, way before? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he played for a number of years, but stopped significantly. 
you know, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but once he learned about the uh, uh, King's War rules, picked it up, started building some armies, introduced me to it. Yeah. Were you already doing like war gaming or no. board gaming? Or uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I did a little Warhammer Fantasy again years and years ago when I was younger. Uh, never never stuck. But since then, I've been a huge board game player. Right. So you've always kind of had the knack for oh, sure. playing on tabletop. Oh sure. Stuff. Yeah. No. I, I I knew I really wanted to get back into tabletop wargaming stuff. I uh, just never had the chance until I found yeah a neighbor with a basement who had uh, hundreds of models down there. And so you have an, this is your second tournament. What was second your first tournament? tournament? So we played up in uh, New York. I don't even remember the name of it, but it was it unplugged was, gamers. No, it wasn't unplugged. It was the new uh, Kings of War tournament for the year. So it was a very low attendance. So I was able to play very high. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was one of the ones that uh, Corey runs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Corey runs a big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun though, getting up there and getting. What, to play what army do you play, or what army are you playing? Yeah. So I, I started with goblins. Um, and, and and why goblins? Why add green skin? Did you? Uh, Borrow one of his Joe's armies. Oh, no, Joe! Joe did not have goblins at the time. He had undead elves, men. I think that was what he had. So I played with that stuff. Played with King of Men and enjoyed the board aspect yeah. of it, throw units Lots of stuff. bodies, cheap bodies, yeah, kill them, I, yeah. buy more coming behind it. Exactly, but then when I looked to uh, buy one for myself, yeah, I got attracted to the green skin. So what army did you buy? Like, what model range did you use? Uh, Goblin was mantic. Found, like, the 2018 Mega, Mega Army, army set, set yeah. which, which had significantly, I think, more units than the newer one. Yeah. Or maybe it was the 2017, whatever it was. Yeah. And, yeah, wasted, uh, or time well spent many nights painting. What'd your wife think about it? <laughs> <laughs> and you got uh, kids? I do, I do. So, I have five kids. So, oh, five? Yeah. I have one and I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a lot of time. Uh, my free time gone. The, the, the very small amount of free time I had in the evenings was gone. But she was okay with it. She liked to make fun of me. She was a big fan of... Uh, Four-year-old version of the guy painting. Yeah, the, the exactly. Bro, the Every time she saw me, she asked if I was painting like gray pants blue, and I had to agree. Yes, I am. <laughs> Do you put together a uh, Manta Goblin army? Yes. You played at Corey's event up in upstate yes. New York. Um, yeah. But but Goblins wasn't for you, or? No, I still liked it, but I felt I I, I timed it horrible that I wanted to play a less popular army. I didn't right. know at the time. I wasn't. And everybody's playing Goblins. Ex exactly. I wasn't aware at the time about everyone being super into Goblins. I did it just because I loved it. No, there's no problem with well, that. What was in your goblin army? Oh, it was just a smattering of everything. So it wasn't all shooting? No, no, it wasn't all, <laughs> it wasn't all shooting. You know, it was it was one of the armies that are built sort of out of necessity because of what I had. It was, like I said, the mega set plus... Jet Fleabag Riders and exactly. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, a bunch of, you know, it's like... Uh, Sharp sticks and... Yep, yep, three goblin hordes, two troll hordes, a bunch of other random things in there. Awesome. A little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. It worked. I'll, I'm going to go back to it. I'm planning on adding, you know, colossal giants and stuff and getting back into it. But after I was done that, after actually understanding the meta of just, I guess, the U.S. The Northeast, in general, and the yeah, Atlantic, yeah. With so many goblins, like, let me go with an underdog. So I picked Trident Realms, and of course, right after I picked it and bought it, Clash 2019 came out and... Changed a lot of stuff. Yeah, now, now this tournament, there's at least three total Trident yeah, Realms players, a couple Trident Realms are a popular army, yeah. Yeah, so now So did you buy, what range are you using? It's a Wrath of Kings. Wrath of Kings, cool me or not? Yep, exactly, mm -hmm. the, the Hadros, That's I guess. a big popular version for Giga. Yeah, exactly. Yep, so I have their Gigas. You know, I really wanted frogs for my River Guard because I have the River Guard army, but they don't have frogs. I had sharks. So 
Yeah, it's close enough. It's close enough. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed putting this one together. I had plans to do a lot of good uh, water. I did not have time to do it for this tournament. Well, next I time. Was, yeah. You have another yeah. tournament coming up, right? It's, yeah, doing the Keystone next. So I have, I have a couple of weeks to do it. But I, I finally got everything based and painted like five days ago. Right. I'm like, yeah, I've got time. And I started getting ready to put the water on. I'm like, well, what if I'm doing something wrong and I absolutely ruin one of these units? And then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that now. I'm, I need to test one first. Yeah, you do. Make sure it works so it's not a few days before a tournament. So who's the better player, you or Joe? I would say Joe, based on the fact that he beats me more. But I, I do find that I, I think I'm a, a better study of maybe some of the rules and tactics. Is that because you're younger? Yeah, probably. And I don't have uh, Warhammer and other game systems bouncing Me around Mexican, my head. Mexican. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. When you play the other games, it sometimes all blurs together. Exactly. Yeah, so I have, I have a better grasp of what I can and can't do, maybe. You've only been playing, what, six months, maybe? Nine months, ten Nine months. Nine months, and you've already painted two armies. Yeah. So for all of you out there that are still playing with great plastic, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Exactly. At some point, I mean, exactly. it's not, it's not, you're, Adam is testament that it's not that hard to paint your freaking army. No, no, it's not. You just need, uh, yeah, you need some time and one hobby. True. You, well, you especially, have well, you have five children, which yeah. uh, I'm still like, how do you have time to do anything? <laughs> exactly. And the best part, you know, uh, my oldest is only six, but he is super into painting and stuff. Yeah. So I can get some mornings where I will... Paint with him? Yeah, stick That's him on there, awesome. give him either a random mini or uh, whatever. And I'm like, you paint that, I'll paint my stuff. Yeah, Going into this, were you... A hobby guy? Did you make model kits as a kid? Did you paint models? No, no. So what are you tapping into here? Like this is like you're you know, you're you're not you're not an eighteen year old guy. Yeah. So like where did you get the, the hobby chops or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like exactly. I think I think I've enjoyed uh, the artistry of it all uh, from from the sidelines for a long time, enjoying what things look like. Uh, I've dabbled in writing. I've dabbled in just uh, painting, you know, on canvas. Right. So you would say you're a creative person. Yeah, certainly. But um, you know, I I would say this is probably the next you know outlet for that uh, because I certainly did not have anything in the last couple of years with all those kids. It'd be kind of neat though to hear your experience because you started with a clean slate, so you didn't have any paints, you didn't have any brushes, you didn't have any technique. Exactly. So where, where does one start? I have this army, I want to paint it. Or did you just go ask Joe? And did uh, Joe give you all the tips? No, no. I my I have a couple of friends who, who had played like 40K and, and other stuff, so had had ideas about painting and stuff, and they just actually completely make fun of me for everything I do because they are not fans of it. Well, because um, they're playing 40K. <laughs> well, that's it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I did not go out and buy... Expensive model paints. Well, what, what brand are you using? Generic uh, Walmart D paint. Okay. Generic hey, acrylic Walmart paint. Take half the bottle, dump it in another bottle, put a little water in there. It's exactly. good to go. Exactly. Mike Rossi yeah. style. I got I got really poor quality paintbrushes, a piece of cardboard, and I yeah I just mix stuff on there and I paint. So your um, palette is a piece of cardboard. My palette is a piece of cardboard. Okay. <laughs> you know it's good because the paint's not expensive. I just throw it out. I don't exactly. have to worry about like a wet palette or anything like that. Um, and you know what I think really tracked me to basing and stuff is is the the multi beast dioramas. So like I mentioned, I wanted to do the water effects. Yeah. I haven't done that yet, but at least for for these units, you know, rocks, sticks, twigs, and all that stuff. But when I did my goblins, it was all cork board. 
you know, rocks and, and others to really build it up and make it look fancy. Um, yeah, so watch a few YouTube videos and just... Anybody that you remember? Any YouTube channels? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, all the popular They obviously ones left an impression there. on you. They did, yeah, they did. Um, and I think, um, you know, the good thing with just having a little bit of history with painting as a hobby was able to, you know, know that. A few like, colors. And yeah, red and blue make them. purple. You know, I get <laughs> right. that. Again, uh... I, I was on like a video call with friends and I was trying to ask them like oh if I if I paint this brown what what shade of brown should I use and they're like well what are the shades of brown that you have and I'm like none I've got I've got green and red and I'm going to mix them and they're going to be brown and they were unhappy with that answer it's it's interesting though because yeah. like I, I, what what's the next step for you is it you're going to stay with I mean are you going to are you going to advance your hobby right or are you going to stay look we we know people that like hobby craft paint they've been using it for years and it, and it's it, yeah Larry Essex yeah. is one of them so well, and that's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But then there's other people that want to take it to the next level and maybe add, you know, miniature look, hobby yeah, paints. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, like, the new contrast paints, and they look awesome. You know, with, with the big uh, uh, lines of 100 models, I'm sure it'll save a lot of time, right. which I don't have a lot of. Right. Uh, but, yeah, the, the trade-off is, is cost. So I was able to paint the entirety of my Trident Realms with $10 of paint. Right. With a lot left over. Versus, yeah. you know, the expense I think that would come with actual yeah. nice hobby. Well, I think if you go if you go the next step and you invest in that stuff, it's sort of like you've now invested in it and now you've got to, to use it. Exactly. It's like buying a fancy car and then not driving it, right? It's like if you're yeah. going to do that, you've got to. Yeah, what, uh, who's that? Adam Savage who does like the tested Yeah, he stuff. does tested. Yeah, he, he has, also got he a new a, show where he's building like an Iron Man suit on uh, Discovery yeah. Network. Yeah, yeah, he has a great theory on tools that the first time you want a tool, by the crappiest one that you can find and if you find that you break it within a year it means you use it enough and then you can go and actually buy a nice one oh interesting and so yeah I'm almost a year into the hobby and I've been buying really really crappy stuff to make sure I stay with it are you getting frustrated with the crappiness of some of the stuff no no I don't think it's that bad I think I just don't have super super high standards (laughs) sometimes in life that's you know Sometimes in life, that's a way to be always, yeah. always satisfied. I, I gotta, if you have low expectations. Yeah, you got to, you got to pick what you care about. Exactly. Um, and you know, I, I'm having fun. I, I might not be winning the well, painting competition, ah, but uh, I think, I think it's important to know that everybody's here for different things. Absolutely. Some people absolutely. are here just to win best paint or Some best outfit or best outfit. We're, we're referencing <laughs> Billy's orange creamsicle uh, suits. Uh, but yeah, and other people like to just come and just play the game. Absolutely. And that's okay. It's, yeah. it's a game for everybody. Yeah. And, and yeah, nice thing. For for me is I'm enjoying I think all aspects of it and being my second tournament now uh, being able to interact a lot more face to face yeah with with the communities are you planning you, you got more you talked about the, yeah. the Keystone GT what else is on your radar also going to Crossroads Crossroads you got, you got a team event you and Joe yeah me you bring and a couple Joe, ringers on the team the Jersey guys Jersey there's guys in Jersey yeah uh, Bart and where that is with him so we're, we're gonna be the uh, the, the steak uh, pork roll team Cheesesteak pork roll. That's yeah. pretty fun. It's pork roll cheesesteak. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. What's next? You got more to add to either the goblins or the trident realms? Ah, wow. That's a good question. Um, I don't think I'm going to be adding anything immediately to uh, trident realms. Uh, you can only have so many river guard. Um, yeah, you have all the river guard. <laughs> I have And all. I saw your list. You have all the gigas. <laughs> yeah. So I don't... That's 90% of my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like I said, I think I'm going to get back to uh, improving my goblin list, making it a little bit more... Elite with a couple yeah. of giants, a couple of colossal giants. Slashers are a lot nicer now. So I, since I stopped playing after yeah. Clash of Kings, so they're they're a little bit more functional. 
Yeah, and it'll be nice to be able to have the option to run the basic goblin garbage list with a lot of you know, trash meta, just all yeah, kinds of bodies. Twenty-one units. Twenty-one units. Twenty-one units. That's what I ran at one point. Twenty-one yeah, units. Twenty-one yeah. units. Yeah, uh, you know, versus something more elite, so you could bring that footprint down. Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting. I was I was able to do the last tournament all uh, you know within the clock with that many units. I'm significantly less now, so I'm hoping I have more time to do a little bit more. Clocks are an interesting thing. Uh, uh, how are you strategy. finding the clock? I like it. And, and why? What's what's the what's the positives of the clock? You know, I think from from a, a enjoyment of a tournament event standpoint, you know, they're always nice because they're keeping everything moving. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, from just tactics, it's nice to be able to have an opponent who does not have all the time in the world to consider the best possible move to make. Like I well, mentioned, you got an X amount of time. That's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I mentioned, I have uh, years and years and years playing just board games. Analysis paralysis is yep. a big thing. Yep. So, what's your favorite board game YouTube channel? Oh, uh, sit down and sit down. Shut, shut up. up. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. Those guys are great. I, I, I you know, if I want to know just the aspects of a board game, Dice Towers. Really Dice Tower best. Network. Tom Bassel. Exactly. Yeah. I remember, you know, back when I started watching his stuff, he was just. You know his his YouTube, and now it's his. his it's now it's an empire. Yeah, his, he's got his two conventions. On, he's got a cruise ship. Yeah, his pictures are on you know board games now. His stamp of approval, but you know you find someone who has the same interests in board games as you, and then you can really rely. It's like on a them critic too. for movies, right? Exactly. If you, if you know that you like the same type of movies, yep. You, you can yeah, trust you them. just tap right into that, and they'll tell yeah. you all the new stuff that comes out. Yeah. So we're talking about clock. So yeah, being able to to just not have always the most optimal move played against you because I am not always playing most optimally. Well, you haven't played me yet, so <laughs> I'm a clown, so get ready. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I, th- I think it adds it adds to the game. It adds to being able to think quick. It's, it's a whole other aspect. You were talking about you know, different aspects of the game. Uh, it, it tests a different, a different ability. Some people are really good at you know, planning beforehand, you know, overall game strategy. Some right. people are better at tactics in the moment, um, yeah. and the the clock really sort of enforces that. That's yeah. nice. I think it also just gives you a habit of making the right moves quicker. Yes. Making decisions, and it, it makes even you don't consciously think about this, but it forces you to make decisions faster. And over time, you get through more decisions, and you end up you just end up being a better player because you're forced to. Yeah, I like quick to think of it feet. as it's, it's like one of those tools that uh, help people uh, train their brains. Right. You get smarter. It's like a DS game or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So what, what armies have you played before? I mean, have you played the gamut? Have you played all the armies? Uh, like against or with? Yeah, against. Obviously, no, you're Triad no. Realms and you're, uh, you started with Kingdoms Men, Goblins, and Triad yeah. Realms. But like, what armies have you played played against? So I've, I've played significantly against Elves, Men, Varanger, other Goblins, Herd. How'd you like playing the herd? I think they're scary. Like they're they're, they're really fast. Yeah, a lot I of think, Pathfinder stuff. I think you know, all the armies are balanced, right? But you know, certain maybe there's a matchups exactly, and and I think certain lists are better for maybe more experienced people. I feel like the herd might be one of them. Yeah, like uh, ogres against herd, the herd should win every time. Yeah, yeah. it's just one of those like we, there's certain matchups you just look at and go, that's not a good matchup. Yeah, yeah, and it's based on play style. You know, the guy I was playing with. Uh, Brad, who's he'll be here, you know, plays aggressively, and, and you need to. He's do in your face. Her. Yeah, yeah. But Gigas don't care if they're defense six. Well, I was playing goblins at the oh, time. Oh, they they, they, yeah, they, they just do got care. they got overwhelmed. So they do care. Like I know my my goblin should die, but but I wasn't expecting it to be this. How quick. the Trident Realms are faring so far? So far, so good. 
I'm I'm still learning. I think uh, some of my tactics. I'm I'm. Uh, improving a little bit, but uh, yeah, different different play style than the goblins. Goblins is literally run everything forward. Trident Realms, especially with my list, which is you know, because you have a Trident Realms list that's not relying on a lot of ensnare, it, which is exactly. unusual for. I mean, yeah. I mean that's another build, but I mean yeah. it's Gigas and River Guard. Yeah, so the River Guard, there's nine total of them, right? Five troops, two regiments, two uh, individuals. Now you know we're speed six, fly, pathfinder. So it's a different way of playing I've found how you move around in position tactics wise then like I said pushing up blocks of goblin hordes yep um, but I'm yeah I'm enjoying it I'm, I'm learning a lot just about it every time I play what are you looking forward to going forward well, I mean, what's what's the next big thing for you uh, you got another army on the brain oh well, maybe. Uh, you know, I've been. Are you gonna do three armies a year? Is that the goal? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm probably not going to be purchasing one anytime soon. But uh, you know, well, maybe you'll win one. It, that's that's possible. If that comes my way, I'll I'll put it together. Um, you know, I, I I want to experience. I think again, just some of the different play styles. I do not have a slow elite elite army yet. Give me an example. Of what, 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 yeah. So. So maybe some uh, uh, dwarf dwarf army, um, maybe something that's that's relying on a lot of uh, shambling uh, elements or something. Army or something yeah. yeah, you know something that's big elite and hits hard. Uh, because all of my tactics, even with the river guard, there's so many like troops that are kind of like chaff to me. Oh, they um, die so quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm putting them out there to die for tactic reasons. Uh, you know, I haven't really played any lists yet that that aren't really relying on that. So. You know, I think the next next advancement in my, you know, tactics, learning to, to play a different style is is playing a list like that. Maybe Joe's got an army in his garage, you know, his basement he could pull off. Absolutely, you. oh no, he does. He he's got he's got enough. I could do. He's got a lot of big uh, heavy knights for different armies. When are we gonna see you at an event outside of the Northeast? Oh boy, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, five kids. Yeah, I get it. And it's expensive to travel and stuff yeah. too. I'm surprised, frankly, that I'm I'm planning on three tournaments this year. Uh, so next year, what are you thinking about? Oh maybe boy. four, five, six? Oh, maybe if, if I'm lucky. Well, you gotta must have a supportive wife. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. But um, yeah, there's only so much torture you can put someone through. Absolutely. <laughs> well, best of luck in the tournament. Thank you so much. We're back after game one. I'm with my opponent, Adam. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing good. So I just got whooped pretty good. <laughs> Let's just break down the game a little bit, maybe give you a little highlights. We're, we're not going to go blow by blow, but give you a little bit of highlights. We played Pillage scenario with seven tokens. I uh, should say that we're using the Northern Kings scoring. You were the winner. Yeah. What did you think of the Northern Kings scoring method? And for those who don't know, that's 15, 5, 10 for a draw. And then there's basically like there's a, a bonus for objectives. So in this game, each objective token you got, you got plus one. So if you, in your case, you, you won yeah. 15, you got three tokens, plus three is 18. And then there's an attrition thing, yep. which we both murdered each other, both killed a little <laughs> over 1,500. There's 15 points difference in, in the murder score. But whatever you killed, it's not the difference, yeah. it's what you killed. You yeah. killed 1,500 and something, you got an additional four, gives you 22. I lost, got five, one token for six, and then four for the attrition bonus yeah. for 10. From a winner's perspective, how did you like the Northern Kings scoring system? I liked it. I think, you know, the two points that I, 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 I could think about right now that why I liked it is one, because, uh, you know, it was a pretty even match all the way to the end, but turn six at least it gave me 
one more thing to do with the unit because I needed to grab uh, a yeah. token for a point, even though it was not going to help for a victory. Uh, so that was there. And then, I mean, we uh, I waffled on what to do with uh, that River Guard captain, and, you know, if nothing else, I could have gotten super lucky on something and taken it off. So at least, yeah. uh, you know, it, it does a better job, I think, of incentivizing picking up points late, late in the game, even if they're not necessary. Right. And it, it keeps uh, the opponent competitive all the yeah. way to the end, too. Yeah. Not that I didn't think it was going to happen. No, but, no. Uh, so let's, let's like kind of break yeah. our list down. Yeah, so uh, in my list, it was mainly River Guard. Main contingent, so five troops that had two-handed swords for crushing one and defense three, two regiments, um, and two uh, River Guard captains. Other than that, I had two Giga hordes, two, yeah, two Krakens, and the Siren. All the tables I should mention at this event for round one were set up the same way using the giant dwarf map pack, which is interesting. Uh, you can't argue that your table disadvantaged you because they're all exactly the same. Exactly. But from my perspective, going in, it's a tough list because you have so many River Guard and it's so much ensnare. Yeah. And there was enough t difficult terrain on the table that it was like, oh, this is good. This is going to be difficult. What was your perspective of the table? Yeah, no. So I liked that there were four large pieces of difficult terrain. Yeah. And two uh, obstacles. So going into it, my game plan is hiding them. Guerrilla yeah. warfare. You know, with the hindered charge and the ensnare, having attacks being a minus two, yeah. even with my low defense, um, you know, it, it's significant, right? So I liked the way the tables were set up. Uh, since we got to place the markers, I placed them all in the difficult terrain yep. to try and give myself a foot up for defending them. And granted, that didn't really help me a whole lot. Yeah. So my deployment was pretty much everything in the middle. Yeah. And then boomers on one uh, on the flanks. Yeah. No. Uh, you kind of just spread out in all the difficult terrain and had. Yeah. I hit in the forest right. You did. And I think the game went the way I kind of expected. I think maybe I probably shouldn't have rushed forward. I mean, we were in combat by turn three. Yeah. Maybe should have just waited. Yeah. Try to pull you because you're holding tokens. I'm holding some tokens. I could have maybe, but. I didn't, and I charged in headlong and in snare and difficult terrain, hitting on four, fives in most yeah. cases, uh, is really difficult. I mean, how did you see the game go? So, I mean, uh, I think I was I was split on what my strategy was going to be. Yeah. Um, what I have done in the past with this list is, like I said, sit in the difficult terrain, wait for you to come to me, jump over you with the unexpected uh, speed six flying on my river guard. Yeah. So I was able to do that somewhat. Yeah. I had two uh, river guard troops kind of race across at the end of the game to score. Um, but then, you know, the uh, 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 the podcast or the video that was done to do our list the comparisons. Yeah, the I didn't even listen to it. What did they say? Uh, I got all the votes. Yeah, well, I mean, they, it's a good matchup. Yeah, you, they, uh, they were saying that I should stay out of range, jump around, and be shooting you the whole time. Right, which is not what you did. No, because and that's why I was split. Like, I heard that. I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that. You don't have individuals. No. You know, you had your boomers who could turn and shoot at me, but other yeah. than that, nothing. I'm like, maybe that's what I should do. So I was a little, I was waffling between the two, but you know, I fell back on my tried and true, hide in the forest and then yeah. away. I mean, the game was great. It was super bloody. I think I took a lot of wounds early, but, yeah. like, it just, it was accumulated. Like, at one point, I had... Ten on the siege breakers, five on the yeah. legion. I had ten on. It was like, and and at some point you had so much flying. I'm gonna give up a flank, and even a flank, <laughs> you know, even river trooper river guard yeah. with crushing strength one are gonna kill something when they're already yeah. at ten wounds. Yeah, hitting twenty attacks, mm -hmm. vicious crushing one. So at the bottom of six, uh, we sat basically three to one, and and um, and I really need to turn seven to 
to do anything. Yeah, you could have uh, picked and, up and I, some, I botched some pretty good moves in that game. Uh, obviously, I backed up the Mammoth from one combat and gave you a flank well, on... Was either, it was either going to be a flank on him... Yeah, I'd rather have the flank, flank on him, but yeah, because he's at least he's defense five, so I gave you that. Strength one, too. And then And then I thought about it, you know, at the end, of the, I should have actually just went ahead and backed the Mammoth up. Make the Kraken charge him, mm-hmm. pull him off the token. Yeah. Because if there's no if there's no turn seven, then then you're it's two to one at that exactly, point. Exactly. Yeah. But it would have been tasty bait to do it. Exactly. But anyways, it is what it is. <laughs> it was a good game though. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. So looking back on your game, anything you did different? That, that I would do differently. Yeah. I mean, you won big, so I, I don't. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know. No. Um. I, I. I. did not respect. I think the boomers enough on like turn two. Well, I think you, the elite is a little deceiving because you're like yeah. elite. Is, even in combat and stuff, they can really. Yeah. Uh, but you took care of them pretty so, quick. They were gone by yeah. turn three. I mean, right? I, well, my game plan was to focus on them. And, I thought if I could I, get rid of the, them. The, the trick of the game, though, yeah. I think, is your crystal pendant. Yeah. Because this set it up for people. There's a, a legion, and I have all my chaff out there, so you're not hitting the legion. No. But you get the crystal pendant guy into there. He, fly, he can fly right over. And stuff. then and yeah. then he he charges in there, and so yeah, I kill him. You do three wounds, whatever. But I can't overrun, and yep. it's a, it was a it was a big thing because yeah. I needed to kill those river guard. Yep. And then and, the and, then, and, then, and then the river guard die, and then the chaffer killed, and then I charge a giga, and it, yeah. it kind of advances the game plan of one. But the crystal yeah. pendant was huge. Yeah, absolutely. Has it been a big a big tool for you? Yeah, it's it certainly has been a useful tool. I like sticking it on a random unit to just block up, right? It's all tactics. It's stop the other opponent as opposed to, you know, using it to, like, really do damage, but those Riverguard captains surprisingly can hold up in combat. Oh, yeah, defense like five. Against the giant, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we talked about this. You know, hitting on fours, Yeah. even if you had 12 attacks, eight attack. If you hit on fours, you can flub it. Yeah, yeah. You can flub it. But, uh, and he's in snare, too, right? Exactly, yeah. And, and so I'm actually not hitting on fours. I'm hitting on fives. <laughs> so. But, uh, you know, they're great for just blocking stuff up. So do it a little bit later in the game when I'm not worried about the inspiring going away as much. You know, stuff's going to die anyway, but... But yeah, so Crystal Pendant was a big part, especially when I saw your list early on. Hmm. The whole game plan was sticking stop, in front of that yeah, Legion. Yeah, if you could slow down the Legion, because the Legion, to be honest, one one shot the the, the Gigas, yeah. one, and then he got the other one. Because, yeah. I mean, if he hits it, it's like a truck. Yeah, the prop, And so it, it, this is probably the first game the Legion actually got its points back. You know, it's 380 points. Yeah, you got close to 500. Right, which... First time ever, because normally what happens is there's enough chaff that just they just keep it off. So, what's a tip for somebody that's just getting into the game? You've only been playing for nine months. Uh, what What are some things that you would say? Oh, I wish I knew nine months ago. Yeah. Now, I mean the 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 obvious one is play the objectives. Yes, uh, and you played that well. Yeah. So I did. I didn't always. It's right. You try by fire to learn that. Yeah. So in this game, I wasn't playing. I, I really didn't care about yeah. my goal. Kill as much as I can <laughs> if I can get tokens. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but the, you just have so many units and they fly and they move. I was like, I, so in this game, I specifically wasn't playing scenario, yeah. but you could definitely tell you were playing scenario. Yeah, exactly. You know, some moves might have not been optimal near the end of the game for me to kill stuff. But well, there was uh, one where you had a flank in a in a unit and you chose to go after a token. Yeah. At the in bo- at bottom of six, I was like, oh, yeah. that's he's playing he's playing exactly. the scenario. But yeah, first however many games, 10, 20 games. You know, I, I would tell myself that at the start goes out the window, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, get like excited. That. You're like, yeah. bloodlust is going. It's like, yeah. Mike Tyson says something about that, right? Getting, you know, your plans or whatever go away once you Until get you're punched in the, the face. face. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what normally happen, but over time I've learned, yeah, remember and play that scenario. It's awesome. into the game. So what other tips you got for new players? Oh, play, play to your unit strengths. It's easy again just to roll dice, but, uh, you know, I specifically went over the after this river guard because of the fact that 
you face so many lists that have a lot of crushing, a lot of thunderous. Yeah. But sitting them in the woods, minus two to hit, you can't really counter that unless you just have a unit that has, you know, Strider or Pathfinder. So, uh, you know, play to your unit strengths, have a game plan that actually utilizes it and try and stick to it. Yeah. That's a good tip. Um, and then also, uh, you know, I think ha- maybe not half of the game, but a significant amount of the game could be won or lost maybe in deployment. I don't think this game, this art, the game. Well, mine was really kind of like right in the middle, and you kind of yeah. just played it. So I don't, deployment yeah. didn't really have a biggest. Yeah, thing. exactly. It did not have an effect in our game, but I've, I found in previous games that's important. What was too. the key unit model in this game? What was the key unit that for you, me? Yeah, that was like. I mean, oh. in my mind, I'm saying it's the Crystal Pendant guy because that was great. Yeah, but oh. you had some other units that did some pretty good work. Yeah, that's the Kraken. Yeah, you had two one, Krakens. Had one, one got blown up, but got eliminated early. Yeah, but, but the, the other, other one, one just kept taking yeah. charges. I mean, the, the nineteen was, nerve and the yeah. Regen four is yeah, tough. That, and, and the combo with the the drain life too. Yes, right? the Kraken or not Absolutely. the Kraken, the uh, Siren there was able to heal a couple of wounds off. You know what? I thought I was going to do a lot more with her was use her Siren's Call to Disorder. Like, you know, three turns in a row, your boomers can't do anything. But, but I'm already closer, you just charged me. Yeah, I'm I'm like, oh. If I'm shooting you and I'm 12 inches away and you just move me closer, I'm still going to charge you. Yeah. Uh, and, and the nice thing about the boomers being elite is like, well, they're crushing one, they're piercing one. Yeah. Okay, we'll just yeah. charge. Now, exactly. you, but, but I would say your preference would be for me to charge you because... Then you got the ensnare kicked exactly. in and, and inner charges and stuff. Yeah, I've, I've been playing against a lot of goblins. There's a lot of spitters. Having a you know uh, twenty attacks hitting on sixes with spitters, they're not going to want to do that. So that really shuts it down. I was yeah, uh, not respecting the the punch that those boomers had in close combat too. So what do you expect for the rest of the week? You know what's what's what do you what, what's what's narrow we playing turn two? I don't even know what we're playing. <laughs> no, in we don't know. It's a mystery. Uh, my my goal for the tournament is. Top fifty percent. So, I so there's forty of us. You just want to be in top twenty. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's a modest goal. Yeah, no, have fun, right? That's that's, that's rule exactly. number one. What other final thoughts you got? Get some tips with painting and uh, basing. There is a lot that are here. Uh, there's some really pretty armies. Well, who, what's an army you saw that you think is really great? The the game of oh oh, oh. Mike Zellemeyer. Mike. Uh, there's too many names. Yeah, Mike Zellemeyer. Mike he's, Zellemeyer. Got, he's got a for those who don't know, uh, Hearst Arts brick built castle oh, with a Game yeah. of Thrones theme. He's actually got. It takes two people to carry the display board in because <laughs> it's so heavy. And it's got, got a full theme music bes- too. Yeah, it's bespoke wooden place. case and everything. What other armies? Oh, I don't know, man. There's there's so many. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with with your army. Uh, well, thank it you. It was, yeah. It's not. It's not as good as some of these armies right here, though. Yeah, but it's it's uh, cohesive, and uh, you know, I, li- I like. I told you before, I like the purple. That yeah, was on I think you know. It's funny because people think that painting is like, it is a talent, but reality sometimes it's just picking the right colors and sticking to a scheme. And if you yeah. get a cool scheme, you don't have to paint <laughs> it that well. You know, exactly. from three feet away, it looks good. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there's too many others to choose, but just walking the tables, I'm, I'm in awe at times uh, with with how good and how passionate a lot of people are into the, the hobby. Ah, awesome. Well, we'll get you back on. Good awesome. luck. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to game two, Billy. Who did you play? We're sitting around post-game one. I think lunch was around was right after game one and we're just sitting around hanging out ray shields walks up to me opens his arms up for a hug ray shields is a hugger by the way but he and i was like what's up what's going on and he just said we're playing round two and i was ecstatic so i mean game you know game one i got to play felix someone 
A, I hadn't played, and B, you know, I had talked to quite a bit on the internet, and it's very nice. Um, and then I get to play Ray Shields, who I'm coining his new title is the kindest man in Kings of War. He is just an absolute gentleman and just a wonderful all-around dude. Ray was playing his historical French, and which I joked with him, um, historical French do brotherhood better than brotherhood. So his list was pretty awesome. So he had two regiments of heavy warriors, and they swapped their shields for two-handed weapons, giving them crushing strength one. Two hordes of levy, which are, you know, basically goblins, like just garbage people. The general on a mount, so just kind of like a, you know, fast boy. The musician on a horse, so rally two everywhere. And then he had five regiments of chevaliers. Um, let me just say, these guys are amazing. For 200 points, if you haven't taken a look at the historical list, for 200 points, you get a speed 8, melee 3, defense 5 plus, 16 attack, nerve 14, 16 unit, with elite, headstrong, thunderous charge 2. Then, gave each of them a different item, right? So one has brew of strength, one has potion of the caterpillar, one has chain of hate, one has brew of haste, and one has the pipes of terror. So they're all murder machines. But the real kicker, the thing that makes this list tick, is Joan of Arc. So Joan of Arc, um, if, again, if you haven't read the historical book, she um, is speed 9, melee 4, defense 4, 2 attacks, 12, 14, 100 points. Nothing to sne- sneeze at. But you look at her her extra rule, she gives rallying 2. She's very inspiring, and she has a special rule called Battle Prayer. Battle Prayer essentially gives everybody within a 6-inch radius fury. Those knights... You have got to kill in one go or they're going to be punching you back. And there were so many of them that if you don't kill that one, it as well as its four other friends are going to crush you. That was tough. He also had two heroes on Winged Beast. So it's like Pegasus Knight, individual guy. And two wizards, one with Bane Chan on a Pegasus. Excuse me, both with Bane Chan on a Pegasus. This game was incredible. We were playing Invade. The way the board was set up, there were two decently sized pieces of blocking terrain on my left flank um, with enough room for like, you know, maybe a horde or so to get through there. But it really blocked off like that section of the board. So we were mostly playing on the right, on my right hand side, 60% of the board. I outdropped him. It ended up that Ray decided to start putting his cavalry on my right side, which is precisely what I wanted. Because if he had put the cavalry on the side with the blocking terrain, yeah, I wouldn't have to get to him as much. But I feel like the rest of his army would be able to to sweep around a little bit more. He ended up putting all of his cavalry on my right flank. And then my like one of the last things I deployed were the Mastiff packs. And those Mastiff packs, their job, run 12 inches up the board every single turn, and they hid behind that blocking terrain for the entire game. Now, that's two regiments of dogs worth two unit strength, just to be clear. Then basically on the other side of the board, I used the Rangers, Herneus, um, the Brock Riders, and the Berserker Lady on Brock to try to stave off all of his cavalry. I was able to swing it that I got the first charge. I think he he thought that he could take it and it would be fine because he'd be able to counterattack. I ended up going in there. Um, I shot down one of the regiments of knights before it got into combat. I ended up um, double charging another one with the lady and the regiment of Brock's. The, the other regiment charged another unit by itself. And it became kind of a grind over there. Um, the Brock's all eventually died, which is fine. But there was a key turn where they were snake eyes, which probably wouldn't have changed the result of the game. It did allow them to turn around and do some extra damage. I mean, the rest of my army was advancing slowly forward, just slowly forward, four inches, five inches, eight inches a turn, however much I could. So I just really... When I play Invade as Dwarves, I know that I need to get just over the middle, stand there, and not die. 
And that's how I win invade. But anyway, I was able to do that because his infantry didn't want to take on mine right away because he knew that I would win that grind out. So anyway, I was able to get across the board, uh, sweep that cavalry flank, and eventually it just wound up with a bunch of my stuff on his side. He was able to to move one or two of the cavalry regiments that might have survived onto my side, some of the flying characters onto my side. And so the final score ended up being seven for Ray and nine for me. And so what won me the game were those two regiments of dogs. Because if I didn't have those dogs over there, it would have been a draw. Incredible. Not to top you, but in game two, I got to play the myth, the legend, the minor internet celebrity, Jesse Cornwell. So that was pretty awesome. This time, though, he's playing Romans, which I'll be honest with you, I've never played against Romans before. But at the end of the day, I would say that Romans are better ogres. And the fact that they have a, a character that does Rally 2 for 50 points is amazing. Oh, and they have flyers in the list. Did you know that, Billy? Uh, I did. <laughs> I was really looking forward to playing Jesse. He's a cool guy. We've we've never actually played. We've been at like so many tournaments. So the fact that we were going to get an opportunity to play was over, I was over the moon about it. Well, let's cut away to an interview I did with Jesse just after our game two. All right, so I'm back after game two. I'm with my infamous <laughs> opponent. I finally got to play the legend, the, the internet, minor internet celebrity, the Jesse Cornwell. I know, I'm excited. I finally got to play Yeah, Rob. it was fun. It was fun. Well, you dodged me at Manticon that first one. Well, I mean, you went on to win the thing. And some of it you was were... mostly your, your club mate gave me a boost. That's Tim, though. So we played Invade. We did. I went over my Ogre Army. Well, what, you played Romans, which I had not played before. I did And Romans. let me just say, they're, they're, they're pretty bullcrap. Yeah. Uh, they hit like ogres, but they have nerve like goblins. Yeah, but they're cheaper, right? Yeah. Um, uh, if I take Fulcon on mine and drop down to defense four, they're 245 because Fulcon's 20. So a little bit more expensive than a, a basic more, ogre. Yeah, but. 45 points, and I don't have to deal with you. I don't have to worry about shooting. What's in your list? <laughs> um, so pretty much ba- I got three Praetorian Cav, which Rob came to find out are... They don't, they don't look that great on paper. They only have Thunders 1, but they hit on 3, 16 attacks. With Elite. With Elite. So elite. You, you can count on them to hit. Um, they also uh, defense 5, which is nice. I have two uh, winged heroes, a.k.a. Earl O'Hee. So how, how do you sleep at night taking Mythical Allies in your Roman list? I don't. First of all, they're themey. And secondly, Historicals is designed to have it. So they count as allies because they still get all the inspiring and everything else. And it's Romulus and Remus. They're they're the founders of Rome. And the Wizards also. Yeah. Bainchant, you found it. Bainchant's really nice. I like Bainchant. No, Bainchant's good. Is it Bainchant 2? Just Bainchant 2. Right. You buy a Wizard for 50 points and he has Breath 6 and then 15 points or 65 points run around. I mean, that's cheaper than a flag guy with a loot. Exactly. So we played the game. I kind of expected you have a lot of nerve, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of hitty stuff. But I'm wasting a lot of that crush. I mean, some. Well, yeah, I guess a big some unit siege, siege breakers. Yeah, but everything else. I mean, I'm only defense four because I drop for the crushing. Right. And you have crushing one. So I mean, going from fours to threes is a big deal. It's it literally came down to whoever got to hit first. And look, I feel like I outchaffed you. So I was able. You to, had more units. Yeah. I just have the two dogs, and yeah. two, and you had. Four units of the small? Only three. But I also I was able but to... But you get, also got the, the flyers, which yeah. is a big deal. And I got those in the rear there. And I just... I mean, it kept the siege break. Never hit the siege breakers. I just kept jumping around. Because, yeah. I mean... And that helped a lot. I played Ogre, so I know how yeah, to yeah, prioritize. Yeah. Like, oh exactly. no. You know, here come Berserkers. I can deal with those. You know, siege breakers, I wanted to keep them out of the game as long as possible. Um, the Mammoth, as much as I love it, I could, I could deal with the Mammoth. Yeah, the, ma- the Mammoth, for me, I, I use it more as... Uh, I'm going to block line of sight. 
No, it is. Like, and I'll just like boom, turn it sideways and just love. Uh, I mean, he's more useful to me than that than the stupid twelve attacks hitting on fours. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's handy with that base. And yeah, I mean, you're doing that too. You're putting them in, blocking my flyers and stuff. Well, but. say that you have two flyers. I'm I'm bottled up pretty good. They get behind me. I'm I'm the whole game. I'm basically playing on the back foot, trying to make sure you don't get a rear charge. Right. And eventually, you do get flanks and rear charges. Cause it's one of those deals where you can only move so much. Well, it's like my first round in this with Mike. He had more flyers than me. He had seven, he, right? Yeah, and you can only deal... You know, not even count Gargoyles. He had four. You know, not even, cause who cares about Gargoyles? They're nice, but they're champ. Yeah. They're not. They're never going to jump up and scare me to hit. Right. I don't care. Especially when I'm running around with 25 nerve blocks. Right, right, right. Uh, I, you may have this rear charge. Um, so, yeah, he's got four, so it's like... And two of them are dragons, so whatever the hit's going to evaporate, even right. my flyer, so it's like... Eventually, you can't cover all the bases. When stuff starts dying, you know, because you're all you're worried about flyers, I still have stuff coming up the pipe. Yeah. I think one of the mistakes I made was when I charged Grokamok's Finest and the Warlord. My better play would have been just put the Warlord uh, in the woods mm -hmm. and not charge him. Because then what happened is you were able to charge him. Yeah. And really put like eight, nine wounds on him and like really wait, yeah, put him on the back foot. And I'm like, oh, it's a Warlord, but I, he's got nine wounds. He's half dead. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, I mean, we ended up uh, with an invade. You had seven unit strength, and I had five. Yeah. And in Northern Kings, you, that gives you up to a maximum plus five. Well, and, that, and that made a big play, though, because you were ready. Now, if we were playing, say, the 15-5 attrition, you knew you were already going to lose. You would have had the Siege Breakers go kill something Yeah, else. so that was right. So we were talking about that. Like, in this scenario, play was just keep everything alive on my side of the table. Get my Just, just cash it. I've taken the loss. Cash in the chips for five extra points, and then get whatever the attrition score is. Right. Which, in my case, was plus three. In the old way, it was take. You had a couple combo guys mm -hmm. right next to us. Kill one, kill one individual. Kill another individual, and then possibly kill because you know you're not necessarily going to do it. Kill a cab unit. Yeah. Which, what is that? Like maybe 400 points total. That would have been. All that let's stuff? see. 180, 280 plus 65. That would have been uh, 345. I mean, 345 points. Right. That might but so, but in, in, in this game, that might by, that, by do, But if I did that, I give myself an extra point, but I but lose myself lose, two lose, points. No, you lose three because oh. Siegebreaker's a whore. Right. Correct. Yeah, you would have lost three, and I would have lost a whole whopping none. Right. And so it, it was a, so yeah. interesting to see that the Northern Kings scoring yeah. mechanism changed the way I played the game which mm -hmm. was interesting because I felt like I had options right like what you just said if we're playing the old way I only have one option yeah. kills I'm, I, there's no way I can get you go down swinging kill as much as I can go and this one was like well I could do that and I can do the math and say here's what I could earn or I could just conserve points on mm -hmm. and score extra bonus points yeah. so I, I like the Northern Kings this is the second time I'm playing it. you know the second game today, and I, I enjoyed it. You don't it. feel like you're painting into a corner, and then it's just... I lost both well, games, and I've yeah. scored 10 and 13, and I yeah. feel like both games, I, I I did a lot of damage. I mean, it's kind of like you're rewarded for playing. I mean, yeah, you're not getting a participation trophy. I know people want to... I mean, but at least it's like, lack of a better term, you're getting paid for your work. Like, I played the game, and I've got the points to show. I didn't just show up and fall down and die. Tactically, I did what I could do, but really, you had the game because you had all the extra units, well, and you had the more maneuver. The only thing that saved me was on your right flank. You kind of struggled with the dice. Well, see that, and also, I mean, again, I'm crushing one, possibly crushing two, and um, it's if I don't, if I don't, you know, whatever you hit evaporated. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's, yeah, I was surprised. There was a couple times where the, the legion went into the well. Brutal, brutal helped a few. Brutal times. helped a few times. It did, <laughs> but I mean, your guys are. 25 nerve, yeah, and then, and then it goes up. Or is mm -hmm. that that's no, they, they're 21 23, 50 and, more and, points. Yeah, I get a little, I get the rally two bubble. Yeah, let's talk about that. Little dude, 50 points, height one, <laughs> rally 
and the Romans get the Eagle Bear, so it's 100 points, so he's only one hero, and he does two heroes' job, and he's very inspiring, and he's rallied, too. How do you sleep at night? I, I sleep very well. Okay. Are you having a good time so far? Oh, yeah, I'm having I mean, we, good. I know we talked about Mike's game before, so you're sitting one-on-one. Yep, one-on-one. Maybe you get to play George O'Connell next. I, I, I mean, I, let's have a good time. Let's so call game. All, all jokes aside, I know people online, if you're listening, I know online a lot of people give George for lack of a better term, but he's just, he's intense. He, he, he has calmed down a lot. He's a serious person, right? He's calmed down a lot. He's calmed down but a he is, lot. yeah, yeah. Trust me, we first met him, and you're not, you're not going to walk away from the game, like, you're not going to feel cheated. Yeah. You know, I watched George, I've TO'd for George events, he didn't cheat, he just, he gets intense, Yeah. he gets excited, and he screws up, but he doesn't, I'll be the first to say, I haven't seen him cheat in a while, so. <laughs> it's like everybody's having a really fun time, though. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's copacetic. I mean, man. people are zero two like myself. Oh my yeah, it's been great. Well, you just—I mean—you don't feel like you're getting punched in the junk. I mean, I'm just, well, the way I look at it is, you know, ogres are not necessarily the most competitive army for a few scenarios. There's some scenarios that they don't—they don't do well on. They're very hard to, to correct mistakes. Like when I got the flyers in the bag, you knew. Yeah, like, well, I'm like, yeah, shit. I should have. I, well, I, what I should have done probably just not moved up as far and just waited. But my my, my concern was if I don't move up. And get there, you're just going to get over the line, right, and, and then, then I'm never going right. to get. I'm going to get a chance to. Get I mean, there. we pretty much met each other in the middle, which you should do. And I mean, I mean, it really is. My army's. I mean, yeah, I'm playing Romans, but I'm pretty much just ogres with more nerve, less defense. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. But yeah, hitting on threes, 25 attacks. You know, I have as many attacks as a berserker with crushing one, but I have I hit better. I mean, essentially, my army is a bunch of berserkers um, that can be wavered, and it's. When I hit something, I hit something. But, but, but in this Northern Kings, it's like even though I'm playing pillage, which is which is not necessarily, it, it can be if you have a lot of indiv- you know mm-hmm. the heroes. That, yeah. That's cool. But like it's not necessarily. My army likes to stay together. I don't want to spread it out. Well, it's one of those deals, like especially pillage. Pillage is great for me because I have the big old hordes. So I literally can you can probably take two they're, tokens with one. They're, they're eight in, they're eight inches wide, so that means I can sit in the middle and be two inches away from two different tokens. Problem with the ogres is, yeah, they, our hordes are small and compact, but it's also like they're well, small and shit. compact. Yeah. So in pillage, it's like you can't do that trick. And you can with the legion, but then it's also a legion. Yeah. And if you want well, my opinion on the legion, go back and watch, uh, listen to the countercharge ogre army review. And what was your opinion? <laughs> Just uh, summarize. It's not um, very good. Well, all, all Jody side as an ogre player, I like your list. I do. I'm do not you? A, I do. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the, you go with what you like. And I like your list. Now, granted, I, I like it just from uh, sitting back and looking at it. Now, me personally, I'm just, I'm not a fan Legions of... Legions are hard to use. I'm not a fan of You don't of normally Legion. get the points out of the Legion. They, they have the same issues like Salamanders do. Salamander hordes are great, but they're so damn big, a whole lot of people can hit them at one time. Yeah. And how do you beat something that big? You hit a whole, you hit them with a whole bunch of... Um, I'm also just, I'm not sold on the regiment of boomers. No, not. they're not. But I, I've been using them as almost chaff. Yeah. They did a lot more work, though, in this game than I was expecting. And they, they took out, what, one unit? Yeah, they took out that one unit cab. And they tied, they kind of tied up that wing for a little while. But, yeah, well, it, I, I'd rather have more dogs. Let's yeah. be honest. Or whore, take a horde. I mean, but but obviously that's the that's the that's the tax for taking that formation. Yeah. If I want elite, then that's the tax. And I mean, I will admit, but, as you know, elite's pretty good. And you you would do something really well um, with not with, with Nama 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 Garak Nam Nam. Him getting vicious. So the nice thing like with siege breakers, yeah, they hit some with a ton of bricks. But when they hit something that's you're wasting all that crushing. You give them vicious, they make up for it. Oh, because like, oh, at least they're all ones. Yeah, they're all ones. So whatever they hit with, they're gonna wound. Yeah. You know, you don't even have a. 
roll with a bunch of ones. Like, oh, they're vicious. Suck on it. Exactly. Like, that is nice. Good game. First time we got to play. We played. We've met in 2017. The first Manticon. What was that? 2017. Yeah, I believe. 17, 16. We didn't have one this year. 19. Did we have a Manticon in 18? No, 18. So we had two. So was it 2016? Yeah, because it was the year of the Nashville Masters. Okay, then yeah, Nashcon. Yeah, because we, we did we did Manticon, and then because you, you are calling us Road Warriors, we went to Manticon, and we turned right around and went to Nashville Masters the next weekend. Yep, and that's where uh, that was a good time. You got to play Tim, I, and then you got to present Tim with the uh, last place games. That's right. <laughs> we probably gave him something good though, at least. Uh, I, I do have to say, last place was pretty lucrative at the Nashville Masters. That's uh, by the way, that's where we got my first box of Dead Zone. It's because of you I played Dead Zone. Oh, good. Because we, I got that from Tim. I'm like, give me this. He's like, okay. I'm like, I drove and I make pay gas money. Uh, well, let's talk about price support. Out here, they've got a really good selection of uh, terrain that they're raffling off. A lot of terrain crate. A little bit of the stuff from the Game of Thrones game, which I hadn't seen that in person before. That plastic, yeah, hard injection molded plastic. I know they're a bit bigger, but yeah, they're. It's kind of cool. I like the hills, man. And I also like the fact that Christie's raffling off. It's a, it's a lot of different terrain. I mean, because yeah, you're paying the tournament and all this stuff. It's nice to go home with something, even if you don't win. Models we have. Yeah, we have shit. A lot of a lot of you guys don't do terrain, and so there you go. Well, terrain, especially terrain so crate, and, I, and I'm not trying to be a, a magic fanboy or nothing, but they do good. Shit. Like, terrain crate's nice. Yeah. If you're in Vanguard or you want to make a cool display piece or you use it for a display board for you wankers, it's, I mean, yeah, it's where's good your display stuff. Board? Uh, my display board is $12 dish uh, tray. I'm not a I'm not a display board wanker. I don't, what I army are you bring into TNT? TNT probably bring my ogres. And I'm running. So if you're saying if I give him my display board at the end of the day, you'll you'll bring that to to TNT and rock. I, yeah. If, if yes. Okay. So we'll do that at the end of the tournament. You can have the uh, display board. I hate it. I want to be that guy. Well, I need you to get the points. I don't want you, you know I don't want you to lose a <laughs> tournament because you were too lazy. Like. That's just one more piece I don't need. Now, Mike Zettelmeyer and his buddy, they have a box they carry the armory in that's yeah, also like... That's ridiculous, pl- though. Huh? So heavy. <laughs> well, it is. Well, yeah, but still, it's pretty slick. I mean, one of these days, I'm going to go whole hog. I'm going to commission uh, uh, old Billy Smith there. I'm be like, just make me the most outrageous, gaudy display board. You can't just... I'm putting it on a rolly cart. Like, I want this thing to, like, ha- play cuc- La Cucaracha every time I that's roll awesome. it. Well, good luck in game three. Yeah, brother. Long story short, he had way more nerve than I had, and he had flyers. And so the flyers, what I found is I didn't have the tools. I had two regiments of boomers, but that's not enough to really deal with the flyers. So I ended up having to use the the mammoth uh, mainly to block line of sight, you know, turning him sideways, making him think about taking the charge. And long story short, on one flank, he had his Praetorian Cav come through and uh, eventually clean up the his right flank, my left flank, and swung around, and that was the deciding factor. So in that game, I actually gave up 23 points to him. Thanks goodness to Northern Kings, I actually got 13 because I killed a whole lot of stuff. That was kind of nice. And in fact, this game really kind of sold for me, Billy, the, the Northern Kings scoring system because there was a point at the end of the game before we were rolling for turn seven, where we said, okay, here are, here are the options. If we get a turn seven, I could charge out of his side of the table back into my side of the table, giving up some points because you're going to get bonus points for having uh, unit strength in, on their side of the table, but possibly killing more stuff. And so we were able to really clearly go through the scenario and figure out all of my alternatives. Like, uh, because it's, it's just, what, what did I do? I like that a lot. 
All right, Billy, game three. All right, so game three. At this point, I'm flying high. Adrenaline's running. I've never, ever won two games in a row at the beginning of a GT. It's just never happened. Um, my, my entire goal for the weekend was win two games. Even that, I thought, would be very, very tough because of the strength of this room. I think I just got a little overly excited. So I'll go through the game really quick. I was playing Mike Zettelmeyer, whose army is really awesome. He has this really cool Game of Thrones kind of themed elf army. Brilliant about the way he did it was because anybody could just... You know, here's my unit of Stark guys, and I'll paint them white with the with the gray wolf on it, just like in the TV show and the books or whatever. And this is my, you know, Lannisters, and they're going to be red, and these are my, you know, and have just a bunch of disparate units that don't tie together. But what he did that was brilliant was he was able to still tell that Game of Thrones story using iconography and different mounts, lion pauldrons on the Lannister-type guys, but he kept the color scheme consistent throughout all three so everything was red white and blue they could be in different ratios it could be different parts of their units but it really sold the theme while keeping it cohesive which i thought was brilliant so his list um he had the ubiquitous kindred archer horde with heart-seeking chance he had a regiment of palace guard with the dwarven ale two regiments of cavalry of stormwind cavalry sorry with one with brew of strength one with caterpillar a horde of dracon riders with the chalice of wrath for Fury, a horde of war chariots, an elven mage with Bane Chant Fireball, ten on a horse with the Inspiring Talisman, the Elven King on a horse with the Mace of Crushing, the Dragon Kindred Lord, who was given the Aegis of the Elohi for Iron Resolve, the Green Lady, and the King's Champions Formation, which, as you may know, gives the Stormwind Cavalry headstrong and the King plus one to hit, so he hits on twos instead of threes, which is really good. I really liked this list. A lot of times, you know, you kind of come up to elf lists and they make you want to vomit in your mouth. Um, this one is like super balanced. And like, this is something that I would build if I was trying to be competitive, but didn't want to make my opponents hate me. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. And honestly, had I not misplayed a couple of key things, which I'll get to, I, I think I could have had a decent chance at this game. So um, it was dominate. I had a decent piece of blocking terrain towards the center-ish that I was going to try to anchor my right flank on so I could hold the dominate zone but still you know, not give off a right flank. And then his cavalry and dracons or one unit of cavalry and one unit, and the unit of dracons were off on my left flank. So my usual strategy with that is, and dwarf players or whoever, I don't know, you're probably going to not let me do this anymore, but basically my, my idea is shove it down their throat. Um, because I've got the two regiments, I've got the berserker lady, and yeah, you're faster than me, but I'm going to survive the first punch. So, and then the berserker lady can come in and, you know, put her six, seven, eight wounds on something. So I was trying to do that. And in my excitement, I neglected to measure that his palace guard regiment was in range to charge the flank of my Brock Rider regiment, which obviously did not go well for my Brock Riders. So that was mistake number one. They were able to get wiped off the board. And then that flank basically crumbled. The other side of the board, um, I allowed, because I did not put my stone priest flush against the back of my unit. I allowed him to get a charge on it on turn two with his dragon, killing my stone priest, which in my list, the way he works, you know, he's, he's the surge guy, but also more importantly, he's kind of a blade of wounds for my units. Like in every game prior to this and every one of my practice games, he usually absorbs anywhere between 13 and 20 wounds off of stuff. And that is huge. So losing him on turn two was gigantic. And as a result, I couldn't use him to surge, couldn't really recover from there. So those two major things were the big downfall of my game. And another fit of stupidity turned my ironclad horde just so that the dragon riders could hit them in the flank. Now, a couple of really cool things happened this game. Spoiler alert, Mike won. 
Um, I think he got max points. He killed almost everything in my army. But I was able to scrape by out a couple of points by killing stuff. So his Drakenrider horde had taken a couple of wounds, maybe four, maybe five. It wasn't very many. Anyway, it was kind of just out in the middle of the board after it had knocked out my Ironclad horde. Well, my army standard bearer in just me trying to you know, hold them up for a second, charged him, hit, and then rolled one wound. And then uh, – they had fury, right? So I was like, "Oh man, maybe I'll." I did, but I didn't remember that. So I rolled, I rolled the dice, got a twelve, and I was like, "Yeah, they're wavered." And he was like, "Nope, they're dead." And I was like, "You're kidding me." I was like, <laughs> That's the strategy, guys. Throw the army standard bearer in, hope he hits something, and roll a box cars. If you can do that, you'll win games. Also, uh, I forgot to mention on turn one. Just in another feat of crazy luck for me, I scooted the rangers up on a hill very early on um, with their vanguard moves, shot all 24 ranger shots and all three hernia shots at his uh, horde of chariots, and did something like 14 wounds, rolled a four, and killed them on turn one. I was kind of giving him a little bit of crap because, uh, you know, with the formation, the rangers become uh, elite, so they're hitting on fours with elite. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to shoot this thing before you get a chance to move it on fours with elite. Okay, and here's all my misses, and I turn those into hits. And then, uh, you know, we were joking around, but I was just like, how does that feel, dude? How does that feel? See what you do to other people? <laughs> anyway, so that was lucky. Um, it didn't really hold him back. I mean, he he still crushed the rest of my army with what was left. Um, but I did manage to kill that Drakenrider horde, and I did manage to kill his his elf dragon. There were a couple of other, like, s- sorry nerve rolls on my side. You know, nothing like – not double ones or anything, but stuff like I need a five or a six or something, and uh, I just couldn't get it. So um, ultimately that game came down to me being dumb and doing dumb stuff. And he was like, oh, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nope, it's my fault. I played stupid, and I, that's how you lose. So uh, I ended up scraping out a seven-point loss because I was able to get those kill points from that other stuff. But um, overall, it was a fun game, and it reminded me to pay attention and not let Palace Guard charge me in the flank because all of those mistakes I made were things that I could have avoided had I measured or looked or paid attention. And so, uh, yeah. What's that old saying? You either win or you learn. I learned that game. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. He actually did really well in the rest of the tournament. So, you know, it, it, it feels bad to get your butt kicked, but it also is like, well, he also went on to do really well. So I'm Owen two with 23 points in two games and I rock up and guess who I get to play? Joey Greek, who is a great player. But why in the hell am I playing Joey Greek? You know, at this point, <laughs> especially that list. Uh, it's undead list. Take your pick. It's it's your it's your the common theme du jour. It's it's you know Lady Iona in her formation. Uh, I maybe the wrinkle that he had was he had Mortaris in there for anti shooting, and he had some Night Stalker allies. But I mean, it was a really filthy list, and it was certainly a list I didn't have any tools for. Now that being said. We decide what army to bring. So if we're going to a gunfight and we bring a knife, well, then that, then that's on us. It, it was uh, short and sweet, and it did not pl- you know play out in my my favor. I did score seven points though, and he got max points, so I'll take it as a consolation. So for me, looking back on day one, I was zero and three. And now let's cut away to an interview with Joey Greek after game three. All right, we're here with Mr. Joey Greek. My round three opponent. I'm a little upset because. I lose two games. You don't typically have to play a tough, tough Masters player with a really good list after losing two games. But yeah. maybe that's that's a, that's just what happens in this room, which is a rough, very tough room. Yeah. Uh, but or or are you not? Were you not playing to your standard? 
I was playing. I'm playing with a very new list. Um, it's, but doesn't it just push it forward? No. In all seriousness, <laughs> let's t- let's tell me what you like. You have a really tough list. Uh, so it's two regiments of soul reavers. There's no items on it. They're the foot ones for the formation. There's let's see, um, three regiments of zombie trolls. Uh, they're kind of the chaff. They just get in the way. Self helps set up the soul. Well, dash fifteen's pretty good. It is. You got to put something serious into it. Yeah. Normally. Like if they're inspired, you got to do something. I'll do eight wounds. Yeah. Eight nine, and that's the stuff I want my soldiers to hit anyway. Uh, there's a flying pharaoh, a lady Alona, uh, Mortabris for the stealthy bubble. It's pretty necessary in this room. Uh, well, because I mean, shooting's your bane, right? Yeah. And the worst thing you need is your soul reapers, like shot up with six moons while you can't life leech it off. Um, then I got some night stalker allies. That's just because I'm using creepy army. Which is what I took to masters last year as night stalkers. I'm just proxying them as undead for a little while while I rebuild. Yeah. Uh, Cok19 kind of killed my old list by making me buy new monsters. So then I have to paint new monsters, and, or I'll just play undead. Yeah. How long have you been playing this list? That was game four. Okay, so you played three today. <laughs> and one and then, practice And then you had a practice game against who? Sean Moore. So Sean Moore. Okay, then he, you roll with Sean Moore down here. Yeah. Now, Sean's from the Virginia area as well? Yeah, he's down in Richmond with me. And would you call him a top-tier table? Or he's a mid-table guy? What is he? He is the counter-charger. Yeah. He's, he's right in the middle of the times. He's what? Won it three times. Holy crap. He's always right there in the middle. Yeah. That's interesting. To him, what what does he need to do to get to that next level? He needs to play with a bit more confidence. That's kind of the biggest thing. Is like you can't walk up to the table and say, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose the game. Right. If you do that, then you're probably going to lose the game. Uh, You're not going to see certain moves. Uh, The other thing is, he's in the middle of college. So when you're in college, game is not your priority. Priorities are different, (laughs) as they should be. Right three grand every three months into that I, I want him to be studying rather than playing me. absolutely so back to your list what possessed you i mean is it just the formation is that good that you just is that the... i have a clown model yes so i'm running it as lady alona i bought it a year ago it's from reaper yeah uh, is it bones or is it metal it's metal their bones lines just all their metal stuff that they make rustic versions right, of right right so they have a huge metal collection if you actually want to look up a specific thing. So I found the killer clown to fit the theme. And then the dream hunter sucks. Like, he's just bad. And there isn't a fitting unit to really convey what that clown is doing. Right. Like, I don't want him to be a flying shade. I don't want him to be, you know, a horror with Surge 6. Um, so it was kind of, the model didn't fit the units outside of the dream hunter yeah. and the dream hunter is just not good like it was 200 points of that so i wanted to bring the model i hadn't gotten to do it lady alona seemed like a decent fit for what it represented and i could nice soccer share like nine units with undead you count zombie trolls and whites as butchers yeah so it's not super hard to do that conversion right and how are you liking it so far I mean, I know you've only it's, got four games in, but... <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Um, it's a little bit different than Night Stalkers because less chaff pieces. Like, my chaff is all flying and fast individuals. Whereas in Night Stalkers, I had the scoring Dread Fiends, which are amazing and I'm missing an awful lot. Especially here at Mountaineer because they're doing something a little bit weird with the scoring. Uh, they're doing no, the Northern UK. Kings. No- yeah, let's Northern talk Kings. about that. I, I've got to tell people what the Northern Kings is, but kind of give me your perspective on Northern Kings scoring. With Northern Kings, scenario is very important. A lot like Blackjack. Like, you want to win the scenario, and you really want to win it big. Or at least score as much as possible, which kind of hurts this undead style uh, that I found is I have all these individuals left alive, and they, they're not scoring. And even, like, you can get a decent loss where if you have five points in invade, just five chaff units across the table, you're still getting ten points in a loss. Well, I'm only getting 
six points on that loss because I don't have chaff units across the table to do that. Right. Uh, so I think it, it will change. If this becomes a thing here, lists will become a little bit more emphasis on the scoring nimble guys. Uh, it, it does punish the sound dead list a fair bit. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it changes the, the meta. It'll change. It'll obviously right. Every the scoring meta. thing will tweak what you're going to exactly. see. Like this undead. Well, loves do you 15, like this 10. meta? I mean, do you like the scoring mechanism? Yeah. Uh, my main army for this year is going to be elves. Um, I'm running like vanguarding tree herder, uh, forest sandler. It's all. It's a bunch of. I was telling Alex and I played him at Vanguard. Uh, I took all the inefficient stuff from what was last year's inefficient and just made a list out of it, and it works really well. It's all about scenario play. Right. It's about having the defense twenty or defense six dash twenty in. Um, this on deadlist is the opposite. Yeah. So what's next for you? Because you're like one of the guys that every five minutes is a new army. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, I mean, it's probably most. This, this, this is like the undead army. Probably good for what another month, maybe. It'll be a few months. I'm doing some more conversions. Like okay. it's giving me an opportunity to do that. I've never done those before, so do like mount swaps, head swaps, do like some different posing. Uh, so I want to play around with that. There's a lot of really cool modeling that I can get done with this because uh, anything creepy themed, like I can make a unit that will fit. Right. Especially if I'm pulling from undead or nice soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. What's next after this? I know you got. You said elves. Is your elf army finished? You yep. did a pretty. Job on the Kings of Hobby. You didn't really. <laughs> did you get it all painted? It's done. Okay. Um, the Salamanders. Because kind of, you weren't painting elves for the Kings of Hobby, right? That no, was that was January update. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Salamanders are kind of on the back burner. I was doing some practice games with them, and I still just don't enjoy it. Like, I played it Does for not a year. Your play style, or I think that's the thing. I played Salamanders as my second army after Ratkin. Um, and when I started playing with Night Stalkers, I really felt like I fit what I want to do with what's right. going on on the table. And this elf army is doing the same. And the undead's a little bit different, but it kind of does the same idea if I want to punch you in the face really hard. The sound manager's just... Well, and you want to be the first one to punch. So right. you got chaff, and your stuff that you want to hit with is Always going to deliver, is going the, to blow. Hit. deliver yeah. the blow. And I just... You can't get that exact combo. Like, it doesn't fit right in Salamanders. Your Ancients on Rhinosaurs are kind of, like, just too slow. They don't hit quite hard enough. Um, I'm infamous for flubbing them. Uh, 18 attacks on threes. Well, I did notice, hits. like, you had some great charges. And you roll really bad nerve rolls from time to time. Yeah, especially with that army. Yeah. <laughs> that army's more typical. And it's like, I switched to Night Stalks and all of a sudden I'm doing a lot better. Yeah. Um... But up next, I got an ogre army. Ogre like, army? I have what are you going to do? Army. What's your ogre army look like? It's just GW. Like, I got no, but I mean, is it going to be a, you have a formation of mine? Might be similar to what you're taking. I don't know if it works. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I think it needs a second legion. Like, that's really... Okay, that could I be. Think if you're but, that, take but, but that's one, a lot of points. It is, but I think if you're going to take one, you need that second one, because I can handle one legion. Right. Like, I can control it. That's true. That's a good point. The second one is just, that's the, the extra thing that I just can't deal with. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Ogres are an interesting arm. They're, they're, there's a lot of good builds out there. I haven't found it yet. So yeah, we'll, I took them last year at Mountaineer Yeah, for this event with two legions. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Well, they're good. Like, they're a good mid-table army, honestly. Like, they're fun. To I go. went three and three. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when you get to the top tables, as you said, 
the people have the tools and the knowledge to do what they need to do against your army. Right. And, 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 and especially if there's a lot of speed. I, I can't deal with all that flying and all that. Now, maybe yeah. it's because I'm not taking enough boomers, like hordes. And, you know, yeah. maybe there are probably other ways to combat it. And that might be a downside with the formation. I haven't gotten to play with it yet. Yeah, the regiments are not great. But, I mean, I have played ogres with two hordes of boomers, and it's... It's, it's it is what it is. Take the boomer sergeant with us. Inspiring talisman, and it is yeah. legitimate. Like it deletes stuff right. when it gets close. Yeah. The boomer regiments, they just don't. Uh, you're taking them to give the one legion elite. Right, and you could just put elite on that. Legion you could just instead. spend the money to put elite on. That. Right, and it probably might be a better deal, but I don't know. So you got salamanders on the back burner. What what do you think of long term? You got you've been buying miles for something else? New project? It's mostly just expanding this into undead. Like right now, it looks very proxy. I kind of want to get it better looking. What's masters? What's masters looking like? Probably elves. It's probably be elves. Okay. And what's it's your elves? elves. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> let's talk about that because okay. you know, the two guys we had on the show said that they, the elves don't do melee very well. They're, they're mostly shooty stuff. Right. So it starts with the horde of tall scares. Okay. With Brewer's Strength. I think that's the only item you can really put on them. But if you put Brewer's Strength, they're like 18 hits, crushing one. You throw a Bane Chant, they're hitting as hard as Dracons or Sharpies. Right. And they're awesome units for just holding a point. Yeah. So in Dominate, you just send them up the center. If they die, I don't really care. They're going to do 10 moves to the thing I wanted them to. Uh, you follow that up with two regiments of Stormwind for the formation. Yeah. So they got Headstrong. You and then, get, you're, then you're taking a king, right? With right. And king, king I put Skullpull on Okay. That's just like it's a brutal. Right. That's interesting. I mean, because he's hitting on twos, right? Yeah, hit on twos. Normally. Which, how many attacks? Five? Five attacks. Five hits. And then normally you'll do two wounds and then you add brutal on it. So yeah. if you throw him up like Stormwind, the stuff that you're doing, 10 wounds with the Stormwind, now it's 13, 14 with brutal. Yeah. And now you're killing that large infantry. Awesome. Uh, you follow it up with Dracons. Two on, hordes? One horde. One horde, okay. Uh, the Stormwind kind of take up the same spot right. where two would go. So put Mesa Crushing on that. It's just discount. You get a wound yeah. basically every time. You got a horde of forest shamblers okay. with the whip of celerity. To give you the plus one speed on charging. Range. Yeah. Which is actually really great. It is. It's like a discount brew of haste. For and, them. And, and, for and, the purpose. Yeah, because I, I like it. It's a great, great unit. Yeah, so you vanguard them up 12, and now you can charge their defense. So you can just shove this dash 17 defense 5 horde right in their face and say you're never moving. Which then sets up all of your Dracons and your Stormwinds, and now they're going to move in the same spots. Right. And you also got your Horde of Archers with Piercing. That's the requirement. There's a BSB with Loot. Uh, it's just cheaper than a Mage yeah. for the Inspiring. And a Tree Herder with Groove Haste. Well, there's no Palace Guard. How can you do Malay with I no don't Palace? Like palace Guard? Why don't I, you like Palace Guard? Mantic Models. I do not like Mantic's Models. For okay. They have the worst wrist join. On the palace guard? Yeah. Yeah, I put like 24 together. Both hands are like right here. Yeah. And but metal, because I have the old first Oh, ones. you have the old ones. Okay. Yeah. I have the plastic, the rustic ones. These dip me in water and they boop. Yeah, I did not like assembly, so I've never actually played with them. And I like my tall spears a lot, too. Okay. But that formation is so sweet. It is. It fixes the calf. Because um, you take the Stormwind, they're probably a top five calf unit in almost yeah. any other army, yeah. but they're overshadowed by the Dracons. You give them headstrong, and now now they're on par with the Basilian ones. You get plus one speed for minus one nerve. Right. Um, yeah, they're way better than the King of Men ones. Right. They're doing 13, 14 hits, Thunders too. Throw Bane Chant, and now that's 12. So are you saying you're going to be the top elf player at Masters this year? I don't know. Keith might beat me. Um, I was top at Siege. Was Keith there? 
Yeah. What happened? He, well, Keith, Keith, went 3-3. I think Keith's kind of on a downturn. I don't know. He's getting older. He's having... Yeah, Keith didn't mention this, but he beat me on sports scores at Siege to win best alpha. He beat you on uh, the lawyer? Yeah. I was ashamed. I, I changed my list at that point because I was running basically what he was running. I was like, no, I can't do that anymore. I don't like this. Right. I felt dirty. Like, I, well, I mean, like you said, he's a lawyer, so you should feel dirty. Play today. I played Eric Trowbridge from the Midwest. With the Ratkin Army. Really yeah. tough. Five ton, hordes of blight. Ton, ton of blight, ton of slaves. Not what you wanted pillage. to see. Because if you got a kind of... Kinda, do you, would you consider an army elite? Yeah, it's 11 drops and only 8 of it scores. Right, so... <laughs> and only 4 of it that scores is normally alive at the end of the game. Right. Uh, it's very, very elite. It's a ton of fun. Uh, but seeing Ratkin on pillage, that was... That's not the not scenario. Great. Yeah. And then um, the second round was Invade. Who'd you play? I played Bill Goodrick. Uh, he's another local guy out of Baltimore. Okay. Uh, he was running Herd, which is also the worst scenario for the army. And he went first, too, is what you <laughs> he said. He went right. first. So at the end of the start of my turn, he's already threatening my deployment zone. So I can't really maneuver. And he's pushing. So any fight I get, I'm not moving forward. I'm moving backwards, if anything. Yeah. He's not giving you any ground. Right. And in Invade, like, that losing the first turn roll invade is massive when it's just melee armies like especially if you only got one or two flyers then you set the stage to well because you want to be fighting on their side of you the table you want to fight either if, in the middle or in their deployment zone right. fast enough and if he gets to fight in my deployment zone then i have to one shot him then keep going right which is tough yeah it's especially for an elite army where i only have three units really they're going to put the damage out that i want uh, so those units can't be going forward, but they're also the scoring units. Yeah. So they got to be turning because I need to kill the other stuff. Well, thanks for coming on, it Joe. It was a good game. Nice to finally play. Yeah, man. Saturday night, um, we had dinner catered in, which I think is one of the biggest parts that made this tournament amazing. Um, amazing. Really just, really just, yeah, amazing. I mean, it was just, it. it lend itself to the to the hangout so much more so i think it was like ten dollars and it was more or less all you could eat barbecue um they had pulled pork and leg quarters and uh coleslaw and macaroni and his wife uh chris fisher's wife had grilled corn i mean it's just so much food you can't you couldn't beat it um and i should also mention throughout the day they had snacks provided for us and sodas and water and all kinds of stuff just for free for all of the attendants to to have so we didn't end up leaving for lunch. We just sat around and recorded and, and, you know, just hung out and talked. And I just, you know, grabbed a bag of chips or two, had some pretzel rods, had a soda. And it was amazing. Like the fact that, number one, it kept the tournament super cheap for me. I mean, I spent probably, aside from gas, less than $100 for the entire weekend, not including my ticket cost, I guess. It was very cheap. I think I only paid for food once or twice. And it was incredible. And so we're all sitting around eating barbecue. There's these big round tables that fit like eight people. And they're all kind of, you know, jumbled together. But we're sitting here talking and having a good time and laughing and just eating barbecue until the the late, late hours of the of the evening. Yeah, it was amazing. I had a great time. And as you said, I think if you can do it and swing it, I think it is something that really takes a, a tournament to the next level by making a real, like, it really amps the camaraderie because you're just, you know, you're just hanging out. You're not, you know, in most tournaments, they everybody leaves. They go to 
various drinking establishments or restaurants and, and all these small cliques. But here, everybody stayed. Yeah, I think there was maybe one or two times where people left, and I was just like, no, nah, I'm going to stay here. Like, if I can stay here and drink and not have to get in my car and drive somewhere, all, all the better. So let's get to game four. And I'm 0-3, and I learn Sunday morning that I get to play Ray Shield's father, Mark. And I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. Because I've had a few interactions with him at Masters End and at this event. And that is one cool guy. Very laid back. Doesn't take anything too seriously. And just enjoys kind of the experience. He doesn't, He's you know, I don't know. He's not, I, I think he would tell you he's more of a historical war gamer. You know, he just enjoys, just enjoys the experience of hanging out with his son. And a lot of times cutting on his son, which is always, <laughs> which is always fun. Because it's, it's, it's funny because... You know, out of all the people in the room, Ray's probably the least deserving of such <laughs> derogatory comments. Exactly. The kindest man in Kings of War. Originally, I think Mark was supposed to play the French, and then Ray decided to swap so that he played the French and Mark would play his Ratkin. And let me tell you, even though Mark was relatively new to Kings of War, this list, and you will have heard our Ratkin review, in which we basically say, hey, Ratkin may not be good for first for, for new players. Here's what I would say. If you've got an army to loan to a new player and you can give them a good list, Ratkin are perfectly fine. I think if they have to build their own army from scratch and do all the modeling, that's where it kind of falls apart for new players. Because Mark showed perfectly well that a new player can play this list very, very effectively. And so let me go over his list. One regiment of tunnel slaves, two hordes of tunnel slaves, four hordes of shock troops, because Ray loves him some shock troops. One had the brew of strength, one had caterpillar, one had fire oil. And then one didn't have anything special. And then he had a regiment of plague monks, three weapons teams, an enforcer that was mounted on a flea bag with the blade of slashing. Then he had a warlock, one with bane chant, an inspiring talisman, and a second one with just bane chant. And then he had the swarm crier with the flute. Then he had a demon spawn with wing. So 2250, really solid list. And I won't go blow by blow, but I'll say this. I think we spent a lot of time making sure he understood what ogres do. And Ray had already kind of said, okay, see these guys with the 30 attacks, these Grokamox fine sprays? Those are the guys that actually can do some damage. Because in, in realistically, I'm overpaying for a lot of crushing strength in my list. That Grokamox finest, 30 attacks hitting on fourth with crushing one, that's the unit that I want to do damage with, right? Because it's got a lot of attacks. Long story short, I won. But honestly, we rolled for turn seven, and it, it was no more turn seven. I think if turn seven would have went through, I think he would have won the game because he had a lot of stuff on the right that was prepared to, like I had a mammoth with 14 wounds, a giant with nine wounds. Uh, he had a lot of stuff that could that could potentially sweep around. And if not win, certainly was going to tie the game up. So fortunately, I dodged a bullet on a number of levels. Had I lost, I probably would have never heard the end of it. And as Ray would say, you know, nobody can brag about beating rats. So that was my game four. How about you, Mr. Billy? So my game four, we were lounging around, hanging out on Saturday night, eating barbecue like you do. Kyle Pretzel Twinkie walked up to me and he says, we're playing tomorrow morning. And at this point, I'm over the moon because I've, I challenged Felix. You know, that was my own doing, which was amazing. Got matched up randomly against Ray Shields, which was amazing. Got to play Mike Settlemeyer, which while the butt kicking really hurt and I was a little sore in the uh, in the breaches. It was still a very fun game, and like that was a, an awesome time. And he had a great looking army. And then Kyle walks up, and is like, I'm, "You're playing me today," so I, it was just amazing. Like I couldn't 
have thought of a better you know way for the weekend to go than to just play awesome dudes all, all weekend long. So anyway, Kyle was playing the only undead list here. I think I can say confidently the only undead list at Mountaineer that did not have the Lady Iona formation. So kudos to you, Kyle. For not being that guy. For not being that guy. He might have preferred being a winner. Let's be honest. He doesn't follow you know, follow the mold. Like he, he wants to break the mold and, and be his own unique snowflake, which is perfect. He took the two regiments of Soul Reaver Infantry and mind you, Kyle's been running Soul Reaver Infantry before they were cool. So I just want to put that out there. So Soul Reaver Infantry, he gave one with the Chalice of Wrath and the other the Staying Stone, kind of to stave off their uh, penchant to get wavered. Um, a Horde of Revenants, a Horde of Whites with Brew of Sharpness, three troops of Revenant Cavalry, the Revenant King on a horse with Drain Life 6, a Vampire on Undead Elder Dragon, a Necromancer with Heal 3 and the Inspiring Talisman, the Barrow Whites, and that was his list. We were playing Control, and honestly, at this point, playing Dwarves and the way that I build my lists where they're a little bit more, um, they have more drops, I felt pretty good about Control. I haven't played Undead with this configuration of my list before, and the guy that plays Undead locally is just cr- a face crusher, so you f- feel really bad about playing Undead. So I usually am very apprehensive about it because I think I'm going to just get my butt whooped. But um, honestly, I felt fairly confident about the game. I, you know, I thought if I could stave off those Soul Reaver infantry for long enough to, to mop up some of the other stuff and give my Brock Riders a chance to come around and, and do some work, I felt pretty good about it. Unfortunately for Kyle, his dice did not want that to happen. And I hate to blame games on dice, because while it is a dice game, this is a game of skill, Kyle could not roll dice to save his life. And so I'll keep it very short, but he was a real trooper. I'll sum it up in in this one interaction. He charged two regiments, Soul Reaver Infantry, hindered, mind you, which they're still hitting on fours with 25 attacks each, into my horde of Earth Elementals. I want you guys to guess how many wounds he did. I'll give you a couple seconds. Did you guess six? Dang it. They did six wounds. Two regiments of Soul Reaver Infantry did six wounds against Earth Elementals. That's ridiculous. Um, so they should have been dead. But anyway, the fact that he didn't do enough wounds on them really just cascaded that entire flank. And I was able to capitalize on it. God bless him because he was having a, t- a good time with just the worst possible luck. So more than likely, he'll be sacrificing those dice to whatever Dark God decided to make them do that. And this is the game where Jeffy earned his new title, which is the Vampire Slayer, Jeffy the Vampire Slayer. I ended up max points. I I killed every single thing. I felt really bad because it got to the end and he was like, oh yeah, it's over with. And I was like, but we have one more turn and you still have two units and I want to get 25 points. And he was like, oh, you're such a... Oh, man. He was like, it also allowed him to get points, too, because he killed some of my stuff during this time. But I was just like, it actually started that way. I was like, hey, so this guy's almost dead. You should kill them because then they'll bump you up into the next bracket. And I was like, and I also really want to kill your necromancer. Anyway, I had to give him the best sports vote because I'll tell you right now, if that was me, I would have flipped the table over. If it was me playing anybody, playing somebody who wasn't just trying to be nice and jovial and making it a fun experience, I would have lost it. Like, I probably would have had to rage quit because it was that disgusting feel really bad it was an amazingly fun game like there was still a lot of thinking and tactics and stuff going back and forth but it was just every time dice meant to roll 
his were just not doing what they needed to do. So sorry, Kyle. Get some new dice. Well, my game five, I was playing Mike Zettelmeyer's brother, uh, and we were playing Ransack. It's it's the pillage scenario where the, there's variable amounts. So like the one in the mills were three, and then there's two twos and and four ones out there. And he has a really cool looking forces of, forces of nature army. However, the problem was our table was kind of goofy. I don't know if you had this problem, but for whatever reason, we had like this ginormous piece of blocking terrain, and then another one not too far away from it. And so what it basically did was it split the the table into a third and then two thirds. Well, now his list is a horde of ensnares, two hordes of elementals, one regiment of fire elementals. And then he had the ta- a horde of talent riders. And then he had two druids, one with surge and grimoire of unspeakable darkness. And then one with bane chant surge and banner of the Griffin. Then he had a winged unicorn with the shroud of the saint and bane chant too. Then he had the green lady. He's got a lot of stuff with regen. And then he's got the heel on top of it. Uh, is rough, and she, and she flies, obviously. He had two greater earth elementals, and then he had the boulder guard formation. So that's a really tough list for the ransack scenario. Uh, he had a lot of bodies. He's got a lot of regen. He can really win the grind battle. So I hate to say I did this, but like you, where you were kind of being a... The way I played this game was a little stupid, like to the point where it was almost a non-game, but I lined up my entire army on the right side of those two pieces of blocking terrain. My whole army was in a th- the right third of the table, and he lined up kind of like you would normally, like along the middle. And long story short, the entire game was us wheeling around our, our battle lines. And, you know, we had some minor skirmishes. Um, on my right flank, I got mammoths and a few things into some of his smaller units, and I knew there was no way I'd ever beat him, but I was just there to just tie him up. And so I tied him up, and really the game was decided on six. Um, I was able to get the Legion of Ogres into his Ensnare Horde, who was camping on top of the the three-point token, and I took him out in one turn. The Vicious was huge, and I did a, a million wounds on him and was able to pop him. And then fortunately for me, the game ended. It was almost like a non-game, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, that terrain did have an effect on my game as well. In my final game, I played... Uh, we kept calling him Dan C because I'm not even going to try to butcher your name. He's bringing orcs. And I think I could count on one finger the number of times I've played orcs, um, you know, in a GT setting. So this was really fun because I, I like orcs and I, I think they're cool and just not enough cool people take them. So anyway, uh, his list was two hordes of axe, a troop of skulks, a regiment of orklings, a horde of gore chariots with the potion of the caterpillar a horde of fight wagons with the brew of haste, two crudgers on ancient winged slashers with goblin stabby sneaks, and one with the blade of slashing, one with the mace of crushing, just to make all 13 of those attacks matter, and two god speakers. One had bane chant, was mounted, had drain life six, and Muradin's amulet of the fireheart. The second was mounted, had drain life six, the inspiring talisman. Then he had a giant and a war drum. Uh, I love this list. Like, I don't know why it just, it spoke to me when we played. Um, and something interesting that you, um, mentioned that he said was that the reason he has gore chariots and fight wagons is that gore chariots have the higher crushing and thunderous fewer attacks, but you know, higher quality attacks and the fight wagons have less crushing obviously, but they have way more attacks. So you can use the, the fight wagons against stuff like Ratkin that 
have you know high nerve but low defense, and then conversely, you can use the chariots against tougher stuff like my whole army. Yeah, it was, it's cool that he actually thought about. He's got two tools in his tool belt. Yeah, exactly, which I love. So um, this game was super fun. I mean, Dan was an amazing opponent, and uh, ultimately, it came down to those bits of terrain caused me to deploy in a way that was probably not the best. The way my army works is, you know, it's kind of classic hammer and anvil. I, I rely on the center to hold up for long enough for the Brock Riders to make their way around. And if they don't do that, then I lose. Um, and that's kind of what happened here. I had way too much stuff dedicated on the right side to deal with nothing. And I just I couldn't swing around fast enough. Um, so that really, really hindered me because my Brocks weren't getting into combat until like turns four and five, which is they need to be in combat on like turn two or three at the absolute latest because they need to be punching stuff. They're too expensive. He kind of just picked my army apart um, on that on that left side. My Brock Riders ended up surviving um, mostly and my Rangers lived and I and I was holding tokens, but it just there wasn't a lot I could do about the rest of that giant wall of meat. And, uh, you know, when you're throwing 18 soul drain dice a turn, it's it's kind of hard to, to kill those things. If you don't kill them in one go, you're not going to kill them. I did end up taking out one of the ancient winged slashers and, uh, you know, I killed some stuff, but it just wasn't enough. And so he ended up taking the win. And I think I ended up with 10 points, mostly because of uh, scenario uh, points. I think I was holding like three or four points of tokens. This is another thing I mentioned about my game. Because we didn't fight really at all, neither one of us got any points on the ki- on the uh, the kill chart. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I got the, the fifteen for the win and the five points for the tokens, and he got nine points or five points for the loss and four points for tokens. Um, but like, we scored like I think I only ki- I, the only thing I killed was the ensnare horde, and the only thing he killed were two troops of scouts. So it was a uh, I hate those type of games. But in that scenario, I felt like there was nothing I could really do. So at the end of the day, I went a big whopping two and three. So after an 0 and three start, I bounced back with two wins, but I, I did finish 28th. You went a lot better than me. Yeah, I ended up going three and two. Um, and uh, my two losses, while uh, one was a little smaller, but you know, the second one was a 10 point loss. Um, I ended up in ninth place overall, which is. Uh, for me, felt really good. It was really impressive to me. Um, it's the second time maybe I've been in the top 10 at any event. Um, and the last time was an event in um, the South. So I know that quite a bit of that was soft scores. Yeah, so I was I was really pleased about that, especially coming to an event like this where there were so many notable, really high-quality players there. I think just shows that, you know, I've been – I've Honestly, this year I wanted to practice and try to get a little bit better at playing because I'm kind of – people joke I'm the hobby guy. But, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time and money playing this game. I'd like to play it a little bit better and not be completely awful at it. And so I've just been trying to hone this dwarf list and do as well as I can. And I think I think that showed in my performance this past weekend. And congratulations. You won the best appearance. Yeah. So that was awesome. So that's another thing that's actually different that we're not used to. Um, the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast tend to do a lot more judge-based uh, paint scoring. And so for those of you unfamiliar, basically, instead of having like a checklist or a rubric of, you know, a, a, or at least an open che- checklist or rubric, a judge, whoever that person may be, or a group of judges goes around and looks at 
each army and the way that that Jake did it this past weekend was he grouped armies into multiple tiers. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the unplugged GT method as well, where they they lump armies into tiers. So if you're tier one, that means you're like in contention to win the best army award. For those who don't know, that's 17 to 20 points. And that was the only tier that actually would be a specific score within the tier. Every other tier, like tier two is upper tabletop, you just get 16 points. Tier three, which is tabletop, which is just 13 points. Tier four, which is seven points. Now, what's interesting, most players, I would say, either got 13 or 16 points. Uh, I think I only saw a couple guys, and I think I saw a couple armies that got seven points. for Because un- if, if you're in tier four, that means you have at least some unpainted units. That was really interesting. Um, I hadn't really done an event with uh, judge-style scoring like that, so um, that was really cool. And it was, it was neat because, for those of you that don't know, like a lot of people complain about paint scoring and stuff, but paint scoring is a lot of work. Even if you are just doing like a checkbox thing, it still takes a lot of time. It's You have to kind of be able to recognize the techniques that are going on and being used. Um, it is a thankless job, and often it's you're going to get railed for doing it whichever way you do it. Someone's always going to be upset. But Jake took the time to, if people requested it, put feedback on all of their sheets and like was willing to talk to you about why he chose to do things the way he did. And I think that's a testament to, you know, the respect and care he puts into, you know, the way he runs events and, and, and wants to treat the events. Um, so yeah, I ended up taking best army, but that's not to, um, say, um, Mike Adkins and I actually tied scores and I would not have been surprised at in the least if Mike had walked out with it because his army is incredible. I stood there and talked to him for a good long while about, you know, just all of his choices. And he explained to me, you know, why he did this or that a certain way. Um, in particular, the way he laid out his zombie legion was really impressive. And like, it just depicts so much motion and, uh, I don't know, it evokes a lot of, it tells a real story. Um, and I, and I really like that. Um, so if you ever get a chance to see Mike Eikens undead army or really any of his stuff that he paints, um, you should, and you should definitely ask him to tell you about it. Cause it's super fascinating. But, um, I took that and then I also, they had a, um, this is the first time at Mountaineer. This is a, their first inaugural, uh, single mini slash diorama painting contest. So basically you had to bring a single miniature or diorama. I had to be a fantasy miniature and it actually gave you four extra tournament points. We were about to leave at five in the morning from Rob's house, and he said he wasn't going to bring one. Or you said you weren't going to bring one, and I said, it's four tournament points. Just go grab something. <laughs> right. So I, I, I went up and found something. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't realize it's tournament points. Okay, I'll do that. And what was cool is because they incentivized it with tournament points, I think there was only maybe one or two people that didn't have one, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. And I ended up winning that. I made a uh, diorama. I, actually, I had originally entered in the Brush With Death this past summer, or spring rather, of Herneas. I called it Herneas the Hunted. And it's like Herneas wandering through the woods, and he's being um, stalked by a night stalker, Shadowhound. Yeah, I mean, I spent a decent amount of time on it, and I, I put a lot of love and care into it. And so it was nice to get some recognition for that. I ended up with like a bunch of gift certificates and to a Chris Fisher store, so expect an order for me soon. I mean, it was just it was incredible. Great event. I think they ended up with 39 players, which is a good size event. In fact, I had this discussion. I, I think... 40 players is the sweet spot for me. I think 40 players is big enough that you can get, you can, you can have a nice spread of the type of player from good, you know, from mid tables to to top tables, but it's not so big that you don't get to meet everybody. Like, I think I legitimately met maybe there might have only been four or five gear, four or five people there that I didn't get a chance to sit down and talk. So that was a lot, a lot of fun. Jay, Chris, Karen, uh, I got a chance to talk to. He was the gentleman that was playing the kingdom of the men army. 
so much fun and so much passion in that army. It was it was a it was a hoot to just pick his brain. Absolutely, I agree. Because um, I've been to really large events, and like you said, it ends up becoming like little cliques, little groups wander off, which can be fun, right? Like um, when we did Lone Wolf, um, I remember I, I wandered off with Mark Zielinski and some others, and that was his first like Whataburger trip. So there was like five of us, and then like later on, I maybe hung out with these people or those people. But it was really nice to just be in like one room. You don't really have to leave, but start talking to whoever. So, um, like you said, I think there were only a handful of people I didn't end up talking to. It was really nice. This is one of the greatest events. And this is funny coming that I said the same thing about Bug Eater, but this is another event that just really blew me away. I think um, Chris Fisher is a great TO. Everything felt like it was in control. Everything felt organized. It never felt like, oh, we don't know what to do. We've been throwing a, a curveball. It felt like there was a schedule. And other than, okay, on Sunday, I wish we would have got out of there a little earlier. I think we ended up getting out of there around four. Would have been nice to get out of there at two. And I think he knows that. But other than that, it was the perfect weekend. Absolutely. I 100% agree. This is probably one of the best tournaments I've been to in a very long time. Um, it just – it ran smoothly. The the snacks available, the catering, the hotel was nice. I mean little things like that add up. If you go to a, a GT and like the beds are uncomfortable or like – the hotel's difficult to get to, or there's you know not a lot of stuff nearby. So what you're saying is it was because Devlin wasn't there, and because Devlin wasn't there to share the bed with you, it made for a great weekend. Absolutely. I mean, and uh, there were several people I tried to convince to come, you know, uh, namely Austin Kerrigan. It was literally on the way. Uh, Devlin uh, refused to come. I think Dan Kamak refused to come. Just the perfect tournament. Literally, this is the best tournament for Devlin Smith to come to. Soft scores are. I mean, He'll get his 13, 16 points. Yep. But he would have been crushing base. Yep. I don't get it. I don't get it. This is the funny part. The hobby gamers of the club went to Mountaineer. The hardcore guys were like, eh, it's too far. Doesn't make sense. It's in their wheelhouse. I, I don't get it. Maybe our public shame will work on them next year. Let's hope so. Because all joking aside, you know, they said the drive was really long, but it, it was, was awesome. Easy, it was the easiest drive ever. I make the drive to San Antonio once a year, which is about the same distance. And it is so much, this drive to Mountaineer was 10 times easier than that one. Take some melatonin, sit in the back seat. I literally drove the entire way there and I drove, I don't know, almost the whole way back. Stop chumping it up, guys. Come on. For the guys in the UK that are listening to this, come on. If we can do 25-hour round trip, six, seven hours round trip isn't that big a deal. Yeah, get on one of them little red buses or whatever or, or your little trams and go to the tournaments. I mean, heck, they don't even make you carry display boards. Yeah. We had to have a car just to take Billy's display board. That's right. We should probably mention the results. Huge Congratulations to Dan Loich. Now, Dan's got an event coming up called the Keystone GT. And I don't think anybody saw Dan's run coming, but like he played five really, really good players. You know, I think his list caught a few people out with forces of nature. So huge congratulations to him. Uh, I mean, he scored 20 points or above in every one of his games. So he went 5-0. and It was a great event. And hey, and I'm really glad to see Alex Chavez mount back. Because I actually thought he was kind of a has-been. Turns out he just needed to play dwarves again. He's been biting the big one this whole time. And it just goes back to playing dwarves. Now, he kind of doesn't really play dwarves. It's a lot of rocks. Um, I guess if you count the crew to his war machines. Does he have crew on his war machines? No, he doesn't. So he's got like six total dwarves in his whole army. So that doesn't really count. You know, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it was a great event. Uh, I will gladly go again. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I made the decision that I was going to go to events that I hadn't been to before. Because Bug Eater followed by Mountaineer have been two of the best events I've ever attended. And, you know, I think the common denominator is everybody stayed together. So at Mountaineer, they had the catered barbecue dinner Saturday night. At Bug Eater, they had the 
big giant barbecue at Billy Henninger's house. I'd made a concerted effort to really try to up my sportsmanship because I know that sometimes I can get a little frustrated at things, you know, can just kind of come off a little angry. So uh, I, I really wanted to, to go into this event and really this year trying to work on both my sportsmanship as well as my ability to play the game a little better, a little cleaner. And I guess part of that is part of the, the bribe and uh, really just trying to match my army fluff was I had prepared little goodie bags for everybody. And so if you haven't seen those, they're on the internet somewhere. But I made little like burlap bags with like a custom um, – I made a, st- a stamp of like a dwarf face that kind of matches my banners. Uh, I filled those up with some locally roasted coffee and some dice from our uh, club because I, I have the fluff thing that my my army is like agrarian. Like they're coffee farmers because they got kicked out of their old hold and mining isn't really making the money for them anymore. So everybody seemed to really enjoy that. And so if you um, if you've – those of my opponents that have gotten a chance to, if you've had some and you enjoyed it, please let me know because uh, that makes me feel good. Jesse Cornwell, I turned him into a walking billboard by giving him a counter charge hat. So I was thinking, it's got a ginormous head that needs to have blaster on it. And I thought of nobody better than Mr. Jesse Cornwell. I mean, I can't argue with that. <laughs> no. If you want a walking billboard, Jesse's your man. That's exactly right. I guess, uh, you know, looking back on your list, is there anything you would change? Yeah, actually. So I had been using the throwing Mastiffs quite a bit, like the actual like shooting attack ones. They're 10 points a piece, and this weekend they just didn't really come up. Um, and I think part of that was due to the way that I played the, the throwing Mastiffs, and part of that is just the random nature of it, because it's five attacks on fours. They don't take cover or anything, so that's nice, but then it's, you know, you're still damaging on whatever their defense is, so I just found that a lot of the times that they did maybe one or two wounds, and so maybe that's worth it, but I think looking forward, I might try to adjust those points, because I spent 30 points on those dogs, and so if I could take those 30 points and turn that into... You know, brew of courage on my uh, on my dwarf uh, ironclad horde, or turn it into some other items that that might do me some good. So uh, I might have to look into that, and that'll also make the dogs even cheaper. So that's the big thing I might change. Um, I I think I misplayed Hernaeus a little bit. Um, there were some times where he was just kind of wandering around, and that that goes to me like. I really kind of played one game with him right before the event. Um, there was a big s- switch in my army sh- uh, makeup right before the event where I took out the legendary steel behemoth and added in um, Hernias and another battle driller and stuff. Um, but he is incredible. Like if he gets to do stuff that he's supposed to do, then he is he's adding to the game in, in a very valuable way. So, yeah, I think, I think that's the big change is I want to take the throwing Mastiffs out and maybe try to – Put another item in there somewhere. I think that'll help. How about you? I had like some heart to heart with my ogre list and it, I don't know how to say this, but I think ogres may be the wrong army for me. It is an army that you have to play a lot more aggressively and that's just not my, my not the typical play style. In, in eons past, I played a lot of tomb kings. I played a lot of dwarves. Armies where you take the enemy's punch and then you counter punch. Ogres just don't do that very well. And so I, I really... Need to get working on the halflings so I can get my kingdoms of halfmen going. If I if I if I was forced to stay with ogres, I definitely think I need to figure out ways to be more aggressive. Um, and also, I need to have two boomer hordes. Uh, the veteran formation is great on paper, <laughs> uh, but in practice, it's just not enough. And so I have had during the campaign, I've had a little bit of luck with the boomer hordes because at least if they have flyers, eighteen attacks hitting on fours with piercing one, at least it gives them pause. I, I am going to be looking at the list pretty hard and see what else I can, uh, you know, what I can tweak. And as much as I love my mammoth, I don't know if it's worth the points 
And just take another giant. And I, and I should mention, I had a bad time with mammoths uh, for this trip. One mammoth putting into the case, I broke broke a tusk. And then packing up the other mammoth at the event to go home, I broke a tusk. So both mammoths are currently down. So it might be an indication of, hey, I need, need to play with some more uh, giants. Uh, but we'll see. I felt like in every game, I didn't have the tools. You know? It was. It felt like I was on the back foot. And... You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm gonna keep looking. If you got some ideas, by all means, it may be time to move on. You know, I, we've all been there, right? You know, whether it was back when I was playing Undead, and then switched to Ogres. Maybe it's, it's. I'm to that point now where the army is is beyond me, and I just need to switch to something else. You know, so that's probably in my near future. Well, I mean, I know you're working on uh, working on those halfmen, but you've also got that elf army you've been working on. You could just finally take the leap off the deep end. Right. Let the bodies hit the floor. Don't hold back. No, no. I'm going full Mike Austin. Yeah, full on Mike. You should go further than that. Oh, I don't know if you could do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. So, um, and, uh, it was incredible.